Hey everyone, it's Randall. I'm just touching base with you here before the podcast to let you know that we're still using that pod track service for measuring downloads and everything on the uh, episodes. So the only thing they ask for us is to mention that there is a survey to uh, be done. And if you could find some time to go ahead and, and go to our website, www.boardnowgaming.com, go to the bottom of the site. Uh, you will find a link to the survey and take a few minutes out of your t- your day and uh, fill that out for us. That'd be uh, really helpful. So again, that's a, a survey at the bottom of our website for PodTrack. It's an audience um, engagement survey just to, to sort of gain uh, stats on what and who all is listening. So uh, without further ado, again, thanks for listening and let's get on with the show. <laughs> Welcome back to the Board Game Battles Podcast. This is episode 29. I'm your host, Randall, and with me are my co-hosts, Jeff. Hello. And Drew. Hi. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, two games that have worker placement and a type of action selection. So we're going to be comparing Yokohama versus Gugong. And then following that, we'll be having a discussion talking about the trend of, uh, I call it deluxifying. But um, creating a deluxe editions of games and uh, or collector's editions of games. This is not necessarily a new trend. It's been happening forever. But, you know, it is more prevalent now, especially with the Kickstarter culture. So I thought we would talk about that a bit. And to, I guess to clarify when I say that these are worker placement games, they're not really worker placement games. They're both games that have workers that you can place, but they're more about choosing actions either through um, placing of a particular type of worker or through playing of cards. And that's the meat of these games. But they also have workers as ways of enhancing that. So that's, that's sort of the, um, the thing that buys, binds these two games together. Uh, so we're going to be starting with Yokohama. It's the first one that uh, came out in 2016. Designer Hisashi Hayashi. He's uh he's actually been a pretty uh pretty busy guy. He uh, he started in 2009 with designing and up until now and it's he just has multiple things coming out per year. He's not one I've been overly familiar with, but there's a few things on his um his list that that pop out at me because you would have heard about these two. One called Trains was I think his really big his first big North American game um released by AEG. Um that's a deck building game about trains. And then going on, that was back in 2012. Then he did Yokohama in 2016. He did an expansion for well, Railways of the World in 2017, the Nippon expansion. And then that's been released now as its own version of Railways of the World called Railways of Nippon. And then in 2018, he also released a dual version of Yokohama, so Yokohama Duel. Um, he has a ton of other games within his uh, catalog, but they're not ones I'm familiar with. Uh, so it might be, and, and I think a lot of his stuff may be really centered around um, being released in Japan and then trickling over here. So a lot of these may not even have come out here. It's hard to tell. Uh, artists for Yokohama. Uh, he, his, he, he himself is one of the artists, Hizaki Hayashi. But he's also um, joined by Adam P. McIver and 
Ryo Naomi or Naomo, sorry. Publishers of Kazu Brad uh, in North America here. It's Tasty Minstrel Games, and then Two Tomatoes, Board M Factory, Cranio Creations, Dexker Games, DLP Games, and Play Fun Games um, are all various publishers for it. Categories: Economic um, mechanisms listed are Grid Movement, Modular Board, Route Slash Network Building. Set collection and worker placement. So they have a lot of different mechanisms listed here. BGG rating, 7.9 from 5.3 thousand ratings. And it carries a weight of a 3.32 out of 5. Which seems about right. It is a little little bit heavier game, but not overly heavy. Not the heaviest I've ever played. Or for Drew or so, I'd say. Yeah. It was probably (laughs) about a 5 for me. Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be a category AP level you know yeah like, and you know so we can we can say how, how how the action paralysis is with this game and it's high especially for on the drew scale <laughs> I, I don't think it was the ap that got me it was not being able to see your president oh any board. presidents on the board yeah you just oh, i'm gonna I, place I just, my workers here yeah as yeah, you get into I, gameplay that'll make sense but yeah i, I was <laughs> i was looking at the possibilities out there but i wasn't looking where your presidents were <laughs> and then when it came, when I figured it, this is the thing I want to do, I couldn't because, yeah, you guys were in my way. So Yeah, and you'd have to pay money to do it. And and then I'd have to start my thought process over again. <laughs> yeah, other than the AP level, I, I'd say the weight is probably a little lower than that, though. Like, for it's Maybe. a pretty simplistic goal-orientated game. Well, and the the more players, the worse. Yes. Well, not the worse. The the, the more the harder it is to the do. The board gets. Yes. Yes. And I guess it all depends. Like it all comes down to how much you want to pay attention to the different things you have to do. Because yeah, taking a churn is fairly simple. I want to get tea. I'll go over here and get tea. But then if you're doing the long term thinking, well, there's all these. As we get into the gameplay, there's all these subboards you have to worry about. That can really sort of up. Yeah, there's ramp up long-term that planning involved in yeah. this game. Yeah. Um, so going on to the rule book now, I just had an initial glance of the rule book. Did you actually read the rule book? Uh, I did. Okay, so yeah. I'll, I'll I'll throw to you in a second. Oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to talk about the rule book, Drew. Um, but looking through the rule book, just looking at the quality of it, it's um, it's very nicely laid out. Mm-hmm. Like they did a, a really good job. It has illustrations. They're fairly clear. It, it it you know it takes you through the different uh, steps and everything and I, I it, from my impressions just skimming through it it looks like a really nice laid out rule book. Now having read it, did you uh, notice any issues with it? Mm-mm. No, actually, I, I I thought yeah, like I said, it was it was well laid out. Mm-hmm. Um, each one of the um, uh, sort of the the subboards, you know, the the descriptions of how they work was very clear. There were some good examples mm-hmm. provided uh, yeah. in, in there. So it's not just, here, read all this text. Right. Um, there's some really good examples of how things work there. Um, and, and yeah, very logically laid out. So Okay, excellent. Yeah. yeah. yeah didn't have a problem and, with it at all. And that kind of makes sense. It's, it's in Mintral is I, pretty good with that kind of thing. I, I guess should, should, we should make mention there was the one token that we had a hard time finding. Yes, because oh, it's only mentioned yeah, like twice in yeah, the rule book. That's true. That there's When you're laying out all the components and... Because I don't believe that's one of the things that it lacks is it doesn't have like an index or a table of contents to clearly find certain things. Yes, well, that's but, true. But it was really just that it's one well laid token. Out. There was mm-hmm. one yeah. token that was tied to a technology card and 
Um, it's like founded eventually through the explanation yeah. of technologies. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, I guess that, yeah, I, I think eventually what we decided to do is just, you know, well, we'll leave it to the side and if and when we run into it, then we'll, we'll, then we'll worry, worry about, about it. it. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because when you're looking at it, I mean, look at the different component list. It tells you there's this one station token. So we had this one token. It's called the station token. Great. What's the station token? And it, it doesn't really tell you until you figure out that it's related to a technology card. It's like, oh, okay. and But you don't even know that until you really come across that technology card. So that could have been a bit better. And as typical with pretty much all board games, they very rarely have an index or a contents so a table of contents or whatever. So, and I mean, it, it only it took me a few minutes to skim the book to find it, yeah. and it's only because the technologies are a card that's explained at the end of the book that it took that mm-hmm. long. So, yeah. it it wasn't super important. It was just something that we noticed that. Well, yeah, you, you are you we know, missing during something setup. during setup? Exactly. Yeah. You're like, if if I don't put this out here, is that going to affect the game somehow? So, well, it does say in the setup. To be fair, to set the token to the side of to the, the game side board. of the game board. So, so we knew we yeah. set it up right. It's just, well, how is this going to come into play? Because mm-hmm. when you're thinking long term strategy, you want to know how all the different pieces are going to yeah. come together. So, and um, even looking at the technology cards, the one for the station. Unless you remember that token's called the station token, you may not necessarily know that is related to exactly. this. Exactly. Because even when you're reading through it, when you obtain this technology, place the station token. Oh, that's the station token. Then you remember, okay, that's that. Yeah. But just looking, when you're looking through this, if you're skimming through trying to find where's that token, you don't see a picture of that token anywhere. It kind of looks like the picture of the station card, but not exactly. Exactly. So it's easy, easy to miss. So, okay, that's a, that's a nitpick. Yeah, but that's, that, fine. that's a nitpick. Yeah. Because otherwise, whenever, like, we had a question or something, it, it was it was found relatively quickly because yep. they, their examples were exceptionally good for the each board and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exactly. Well, and, and you, you, you kind of get a sense of how, how well a game plays with how often or little you actually have to refer to the rule book. Yeah. And I don't think we went back to it very often. Mostly no, set up. Yeah, mostly yeah. set up and then once or twice maybe during the game but yeah, otherwise yeah. it wasn't too bad. And I think yeah. most of the time it was more for like word clarification on like a technology card or something. Yeah. Not, right. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, they only put so much on the cards they can sometimes. They only stick so much yeah. on those small cards. So then they it's laid out in the book and easy to find. Mm-hmm. So so as rulebook components, um, again, this is your typical kind of game where you have a, it doesn't really have a board. It's a, a series of cardboard um, tiles that you, you lay out in a, a particular order and you randomly lay them out. So, and you only include certain ones depending on the number of players. So in a four player game, you're doing everything. In a lower player game, you're, you're using less of those tiles. You randomly put them out. You have a, a, a score tracker that you and you do it in like a pyramid pattern for all the different numbers of players. You have a, um, a point tracker that you sort of set on top of the. Um, it's like a reverse pyramid, so the 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 widest it is is at the top of the the layout. You put your point tracker for everybody at the top of that, and then you have some boards for different um, that relate to different tiles that you're using that sort of go beside the um, the point tracker, um, and those are as we go through gameplay, we'll refer to those, but that's how you lay the game out. It's all these, um, fairly, fairly good cardboard, you know, it's, it's decent mm-hmm. cardboard. Um, and this is the retail version of the game. I don't know if there was ever a deluxe version or not. If there was, I, I haven't seen it. Yeah. So there may not have been, I know when this game first came out, um, it was only available originally in the Japanese format. 
and then a tasty minstrel picked up the rights and they started distributing it in North America. But I don't think much change between the two, um, going from, from the uh, Japanese to the, uh, North American, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Um, but other than the, the cardboard tiles, which are good quality, you have, um, everybody has their own little, uh, player board. Um, you have a bunch of wood pieces, uh, mostly in the form of cubes, which represent, um, what are they, what are they called? They're your, uh, well, the, the one that actually workers. looks like a little pawn is, is your president. Assistance. Assistance. And then yes. assistance. 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 That's what it was. You get a pawn. That's your president. You get a bunch of cubes that are your assistants. You get. Your board is sort of like a warehouse. Everybody has a little board in front of them. It's a warehouse that has additional assistance you can get. It has shops you can you can buy and um, trading posts you can buy. Although I'm not sure you'd keep those in a real warehouse. Extra shops. Not really, <laughs> no. But <laughs> Or yeah. your assistance. Or your assistance. <laughs> Order me some new assistance. I'll get them off the warehouse. Get them out of the warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that board, that board sort of holds... Um, supplies that you can get throughout the game, but you also start with a little pool off of that board that you'll be able to use right away during the game. Um, you start with, I think it's like six or eight, six assistants, six assistants, two and shops. two shops. That's right, and and some money. You also have coins. The coins in the game initially are all standard cardboard coins. You have ones and threes. Um, I think it's in yen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but it, again, all cardboard. Uh, there's no real. Is there any cards or anything in this game? Is or is it all uh, just the tech cards? Yeah, there's, oh, there's yeah, cards right. for technology. There's, there's and orders and contracts and the contracts, contracts as well. There are the cards for the different um, that are tiles. Yeah. your uh, sort of objectives that you can right. get a like sort of bonus points for. Okay. Yeah, for and, like and for like building shops on the different tiles, there was those random cards that you put at the top right mm-hmm. corner. Yeah, right. Okay, so that's right. Every every tile. Has cards on it, so there are cards as well, and the cards are typical quality, nothing, nothing nope. outrageous, like not overly done, but not underdone either. They're just a standard, good quality. Um, you sleeved everything. I did sleeve everything, and it doesn't hurt to sleeve this kind of game. It, it's it's not it's, one it's that not necessary. It's not necessary it, unless but... you're, I don't know, OCD like I am with yeah. sleeving cards, and that's perfectly good. Yeah. A lot of people do it. It's not not a thing. We're not judging. Um, it's a judgment free zone until the end. <laughs> uh, that thing uh there's commodity chits yes there's a bunch of chits and there are cardboard chits uh varying the different commodities that are available in the game there's tea um copper, copper silk, silk fish fish and then, and then um, trade goods they call more imports. imports that's right they look like little crates but they're they're called imports um and there's also little foreign agents. Foreign agents, they call them, little circular chits that are just again standard cardboard quality um, that you also you can get gain throughout the game. So that's the different components of the game. All good quality, kind of your typical board game quality, and it's all good. Yeah. Uh, rules for the game, just briefly, how the game works. Um, everybody starts out with their president and. Um, like we said, six assistants off board. Um, and then you have all of your locations or, or tiles, or whatever set up in the reversed, uh, pyramid. And then what you do is each turn, you can either lay down three assistants in on, on three different tiles and they don't have to be connected in any way if you don't want them to be. And, or you can lay down two assistants on one tile. So the first thing you do is lay down some assistants. If you can, if you don't have any assistants, you don't have to lay them down, but that's typically what you'll do. 
Then you'll take your president, if he's not on the board already, and put him on the board where you have an assistant. When you do that, you can then choose to do the action of that tile. Um, there's a number of different tiles. There's some that help you gain commodities like the tea and, and the copper and all that. Um, and then there's some tiles that let you gain technologies, which are cards that, and those, those boards that you sort of put up by the point tracker. Some of the boards are like technology boards where they'll have a number of cards across the board where you can buy technologies from and technologies cost a, a number of power. Whenever you uh, place your president on a, uh, a tile to use its ability, um, you'll gain power based on the president, any assistance you have on that tile with him, and if you've built any shops or trading posts on that tile, they'll all add to the power of the action that you can do on that tile. And the power will range from anywhere from one to five, um, sometimes higher if you can adjust the power based on certain conditions of that tile. But I don't think there's anything beyond five. Not on the tile itself. Yeah. But then sometimes when you're going up to, like the church or even the technology ones, you'll have the ability maybe to discard something to increase the power so that you can buy a card that's higher than the level five or whatever. Um, so yeah, the power level, like I said, is based on assistance and shops and all that. So when you first place your president down, any assistance that are there add to his power. You can then can carry out an action on that tile equal to the power. Um, sometimes some of these tiles will have, even though it shows you a one or a two power action, there might not be anything that you can get out of it. So you, you have to be like a minimum three power for some. And that's usually the copper one. Most, most will have, like a one level power thing you can get, but it's very rare that you can do a, a one level, a one power action on these boards just because the way the game's designed, if you have a, an assistant and your president on there, you're minimum two level, two power. So there is a way to do one power ones, but don't worry about it. You know, I'm trying to do this easy, but this is the kind of game that's a, a quick explanation really works with this so well, but I'll do my best. You carry out an action on the board based on your power level. If the power level is a four or five, um, you'll be able to build on that um, on that tile, meaning you can put down one of your shops or put down a trading post um, from your available supply if you have any in front of you. A shop, there's about six places where you can put shops. Um, each place you put a shop on these little cards that go on these tiles will give you a reward of some type. But then in the future, if you do another action on that tile, the shop will add to your power making it a bit easier to do things on that tile. Same with the trading post. There's only one place to put a trading post on each on each tile. So as soon as someone's done it, no one else can do it. Um, but the reward is really good for, for placing a trading post. It's usually a lot of points. Um, and also, if you get to a five-level power action, there's a little um, reward chit that'll get flipped over, and you'll get an re- immediate reward, the first person who does it on each tile. Once it's done, no one else can get that reward, but other people can still do five power actions on those boards without any problem. And that's essentially the game. Um, You're placing your assistants out on the board. You can only move your president while he's on the board. You can either move him to along a path where your assistants are. You can't jump around. You can only move along where your assistants are. Or you can take him off the board so that the next turn you can place him in a new spot that maybe he couldn't get to before. Um, your president 
can't exist on a location with another president. If you go to place your assistance on a tile that somebody else's president is on, you have to pay that person um, who owns that president um, one coin to be able to place your assistant there. If you want to pass through with your uh, president through a tile that has somebody else's president, you have to pay that person one co um, coin as well to pass through it. And, of course, there's there's technologies that essentially allow you to to break those yeah, rules. Yeah, there are technologies you can buy that will allow you to break all any or all rules. So yeah. there's always ways around certain things, but the base game is your president can't exist with other presidents, and if you're passing through them, you have to pay um, the person who owns that president. Uh, you, you go through all this and you, you keep going until the orders run out. So there's um, a, usually one or two different places where you can get orders that you can fulfill with goods. Every time you fulfill an order, you'll get um, some kind of reward from it, usually points, sometimes money, sometimes import goods. Sometimes both. Sometimes both. All goods and technology or all orders and technologies have flags on them. Um, there's varying, um, there's like, I think five or six different flags you, um, in the game. There's North America, there's Japan, there's Germany, Germany France, Netherlands. and the Netherlands. I think that's the five. Yep. And Great yep. Britain. Oh, yeah. Great Britain. So Great six. Britain. There's yep. six. Um, that's the six different flags you can collect. At the end of the game, full sets will, will get you points. So if you get one of um, six, all six different um, flags, then that'll get you 12 points at the end of the game. And then every other set that you can make partial sets of will get you points as well. Uh, a single flag by itself doesn't get you any points. The first time you get two of the same flag um, in, in either a technologies or orders together, so you've collected two of the same flag, if there's an agent available that someone else hasn't claimed, you can get a little agent chit. The agent um, has two sides, a, a available side and a used side. When an agent is available, um, there's certain actions during your turn where you can say, I'm going to use the agent. You'll flip them over, and then the agent can perform an action on the board for you where you have an assistant. And that's the only time where you could potentially do a one-power action is if you have an assistant by itself on a tile and you use your agent on that tile, you could potentially do the one-power action Quite often, you're not going to want to do that because one power will get you very much. If, maybe you'll get one T out of it, but it if, is if possible. If it's like an end, like last turn in and, the game. And you really want to fill in an between... order or something. Yeah, yeah right. like I need a T. I have this agent available. I'm going to use him to get that T so I can fill this order to But other to than that, points. it's probably going to yeah. be higher because you don't oh, get yeah, rewards. Be like a huge, yeah. like unless you're... You're typically you're aiming for those team? high power, yeah. Because I think only very, fish very and tea would fish give you something at one maybe power. Silk? No, silk definitely needs was not. two at least. Yeah, okay. it needed two. And I know um, and a copper needed three, needed three at least. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there you go. Um, there's other words that can have single powers too, like the church tile. Um, there's a the church tile um, when you when you start out with a certain power base on your workers and everything on the church tile. You then go up to this bigger church um, board that's up by the points, and you have the potential to put one of your assistants on that board equal to the power of your action. Now, the church one, I think, started at a minimum of four. So if you did a one power on the, on the lower board, you wouldn't have enough power to place a, an assistant on the church board. But there's things you can do to increase your power by, by discarding... 
um, goods that you have in your stock, um, trade goods and money. money. All those things can be discarded to increase the power of the action you do on the other board. So even though you start at a one, you could end up with a five or a six as long as you discard enough things. Uh, the more you can discard or the higher power your thing, your action, the higher up on the church board you can get, which will get you points and other things like you can move or add assistance to the board based on the level of the power thing for the church. There's also a customs board that's very similar to the church one. The With the customs board, you have to discard trade goods. So you get those trade goods from filling orders and from other areas. Uh, trade um, With the customs area, you discard a number of trade goods equal to uh, almost equal to the power of the action you're doing on that board. And then when you go up to the, the customs board, um, the more goods you've discarded, uh, the higher the power on that board you can do, which will get you more points for the end of the game, or not even immediate points, really. And Yeah, the top one for that was like 22 points yeah, immediately, you know, yeah, plus 22 points, there was end yeah. game scoring on that tile as well. That's right, yeah. Whoever had the most assistance on that tile... And the tiebreaker being whoever had the highest level assistant on that tile um, could, I think it was like, I don't know if it's 10 points or, but it was something six to 10 points. it was like eight or, and five for the one. Yeah. And 10 and There's a very, there's, there's the a number one. of those, those special boards that had um, whoever had the, the most on it or the highest on it would get so many points at the end of the game and who was second most would get some additional points. But that's, that's essentially it. Like you're, you're going around this board, you're taking actions to collect goods to fill orders, to gain technologies, to get sets. And then at the end of the game, whoever ends up with the most points is the winner. Uh, the, po- the, the point board, uh, the point score tracker goes up to, I think, 99 points. And then your, your point tracking token flips over to 100 and you start from the bottom again. Um, our game uh, for that one um, went fairly high. Like it, everybody lapped, um, but one person in particular lapped really hard. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's that's how the game is. Whoever gets the highest on the point track is the winner. Um, end game things to consider for end game on this on this one. Like I mentioned before, sets of flags will get you additional points. Um, whoever did the best on certain boards gets you adi- um, additional points. Um, there's, technology leader. Yeah, the technology. That's one of the boards. That technology. Whoever had the most the most points at technologies will win some points, and whoever had second most gets some points. Um, goods. Every three goods gets you a point. Every unused agent gets you a point. Trade goods will get you a point. Every two coins or two or three coins or something like that would get you a point. So there's a number of ways to get additional points. Though I found those really didn't add up to much those are fairly minor those are fairly minor it's it's more about um getting those really high point things in the game and then even and, and the sets of flags help not not to a huge degree but they do help well uh, typically if you're getting the high point rewards from like the customs house yeah you're kind of already going to be in the lead and the extra points you get for having the most workers placed there are just gonna yeah. widen the lead really like yeah. true yeah yeah um yeah okay so that's the basic description of um of yokohama and now we'll go on to gagong that one is a fairly new one released in 2018 it's still being rolled out um all the kickstarter backers i believe have got it now um it hasn't hit retail yet but it is coming in 2019 to retail yeah i think we we looked 
the other night and uh, the pre-orders that I saw um, for online retailers, uh, they're taking pre-orders for November yeah. of, of 2019. So it, it yeah, may not be till November. It could be earlier, but I think that, that yep. that's what they're anticipating. Yeah. Um, it, so... Originally released in 2018, but wild release is going to be 2019. Uh, designer Andreas Stedding. he's uh, he he's been he had a game in 1994, but then really he started designing in 2003. Um, he hasn't had a lot that I've heard of. Uh, his two big names now are is Gugong from this year and Hansa Teutonica from 2009. Um, and I guess Hansa Teutonica it all depends on on whether it, it was a I think a somewhat popular game, but maybe not a wide release game. Come on, two thousand and four, he did the Scottish Highland Whiskey Race. You tell <laughs> no one did, knows did he actually the... do a whiskey race, or did he make a game <laughs> called that? And that is a game. <laughs> yeah, Heart of Africa, Italia. Like I don't. Yeah, none of these other ones have really. I have I haven't come across them myself. Yeah. Um, Artists for this uh, for this one was Andreas Reck and Noah Adelman, or Adelman. Publishers Game Brewer uh, again Dexker Games. I think that's a German one or, or potentially Ergo Ludo Editions, Game Factory, Chronos Games, Last Level, and Tasty Minstrel. It looks like they're one of the ones doing the North American release. And there's one here I will not try to pronounce. Sternen Schimmermeer. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. I think that um, might be a German that one. That <laughs> might be an, a German Dexker could be a, a Dutch one, maybe. Um, that's potential. Uh, categories, civilization, medieval, and travel. Uh, mechanisms, hand management, set collection, and worker placement. Has a BGG rating so far out of 7.7 out of 1.8 thousand ratings. So not a huge number, but again, it is it is just a initial Kickstarter run. So um, it hasn't hit full retail yet. Uh, and has a listed weight of 3.17 out of 5. Might be a bit high. That's like high. It, it's, it's, not over, it's not really an overly complex game. I guess there's a lot of options to consider for it, but it's Option, not really too bad. It doesn't make it complex. No, it doesn't though. necessarily no. make it complex. Yeah. No, yeah, it, it isn't difficult. It, uh, there's if, multiple if anything, strategies you can take yeah, to try and You might have win. to weigh decisions, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, it's not difficult. No. Gameplay is actually quite simple quite yeah. simple yeah it is once you once you figure it out and once you you know um, understand the symbology it, it goes for along fairly fairly well um going to the rule book it has a really nicely laid out rule book um i don't know if i've come across game brewer before because that's who uh, did this initial um kickstarter and run but they um they've designed a really nice rule book um i don't know if it's really a, a complaint or or more of a nitpick they kind of have the solo rules. They have the solo rules after the main rules, yep. which is fine. And like, it's cool it has a solo variant because it plays one to five players. Um, and I haven't had a chance to try the solo variant yet. The only thing that's a bit annoying is if you're looking through the book trying to find something and you don't notice that you're in the solo rules, then you're, you're going to start waste some time looking through here trying to say, okay, what, where's the thing I'm looking for? And it's going to be different than what you really want because it's, it's the solo play, which does add some different cards to it and, and changes the game up. So uh, if, I, if I had one thing I would say it would probably add to the price of the game is to take the solo rules and make them their own booklet. Or a clear divider that says... Uh, uh, yeah, because the solo variant starts halfway down 
one of the pages. So yeah, like yeah. have all the the rules. You have the, like the end game stuff, and then you have a, a page that has tips. And then halfway down, it starts with the solo rules, and then goes into the solo rules. And so if you don't, and they for do several more pages for several more pages, and they do like each section says setup, and then in small letters, solo gameplay, solo. But if you're not paying that close attention and not looking at the headers and just looking through the rules which i wasn't which yeah (laughs) you'll you'll go through and not realize you're looking at the solo until too late and then you got to find what you're looking for earlier in the book so that's the only real nitpick um otherwise the book is brilliantly laid out um you know really clear pictures nice examples um i don't think it's been too hard to find anything in it like at least the few times i've had to look there's a there were a couple things that were like there was a lot of reading to find the specific example, but you knew once you figured out that you were in yeah. the multiplayer section of the book, you you could find where mm-hmm. the answer was. It just it took a little bit sometimes to find. Not that there's a lot of questions because no, yeah, I was just gonna say, do you remember what it was that we were looking? There for? was one because, thing we were looking for. Um, uh, it had to do with the maybe it was the night phase and the canal. There was something yeah. about the canal. Actually, it was, yes, it was, it it was, was the, the canal. order of ship movement. Yes, that's right. right. That's we were right. trying to figure out um, who went first. When you auto during the canal phase, there's a point where all the ships that are on the canal automatically move, and we had to. Try, we were just curious if there was a way that, to know which ship moved first. And it does specifically say once you find it. It's just one of those things that at first it took a second for us to find. Well, but, then there was the travel section which we'll get to oh and we did make a mistake where we made a mistake and i was reading up something else entirely and Mm -hmm. came across something that we were doing wrong which was just kind of like a one sentence in the middle of a huge paragraph that wasn't exactly clear for a basic game start type scenario it should have been like a you know very clearly stated at the very top of this section that this is remember, how you start it. I don't remember what that one was. But I, I, I remember what it was. We, we came in, like you set your traveler down yeah. and then moved them. We started with our traveler being able to move immediately. Like you'd set them down we, and then we moved would him move one more than spaces. he should have moved yeah. the very first oh, time he okay. entered the, the board. Like it yeah, only was, happened first time. remembering back first time. when Randall and I played this the first time and I don't remember us referring to the rule book at all. Yeah, I don't like remember. It was, it was that. And, and I did watch, um, there's some good videos out there and I'd watched a video and for the most part, I got the pretty a good gist of how the game played just by watching a video. Mm-hmm. Um, I did go through the book, but you know, it's like any rule book you're going through. There's a lot of text, and it's easy to miss one or two things. And the things we missed were fine, fairly minor. Um, and we did it the same for all four of us before we realized. And it yeah. was just the one turn that's going to be an issue. Yeah, it's like the very first time your 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 rider enters the board, we moved him one more time than he should have been moved, and that was it. Yeah. And then after that. You just play normally, and, and there's no difference. So, yeah. so everybody would have ended up with, yeah. by just a having it clear what happens when you bring him in, when or you bring him onto the board. B yeah. having him start on the board, and yeah. like everyone start in a specific have spot him like a, or something a, or spot. Yeah, having like a, a, a starting spot for the horseman on the board that connects to somewhere. Maybe well, then and that makes it, it a bit difficult too. Well, it yeah, takes away the event. Yeah, because yeah. you coming in, you get to pick what you want. And yeah, stuff, so. you get your yeah initial reward. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it, it's really minor, and as you go through the rules, minor. yeah, it's it's not too bad. Uh, but again, otherwise, it's a it's a fairly nice rule book, and it's 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 good design. It's and it's laid out nicely for the most part. Well, and what, I guess one thing to point out is that you procured the deluxe version yes. of Gugong. Yeah, I did. So yeah. we'll, we'll have to see once the retail version is out if there's any 
differences. They're, but, they're diff- oh, of, but, of the rule book. Well, yeah, like, yeah, because yeah, the rule well, book's the printed quality, on high printed, quality yeah. Yeah. paper. But, so uh, is there going to be a difference in quality in the rule book? There's definitely going to be a component oh, difference yeah. because Huge. I did get the deluxe version. Um, and I've seen, like, in a video, the non-deluxe version. There's, yeah. There is a drastic difference yeah. between the quality of the pieces in the yeah. game. I don't, like, you can't tell from a video whether or not the rule book is like made it of lower quality paper and stuff because you have to handle yeah, it for that's that. right but yeah there is a possibility that these components are going to be slightly oh, less oh they the will components, be well they might be a good quality it's, yeah like it might not be a quality difference it's just a visual difference mm-hmm. though in well let's, you know let's talk saying? about the components now so yeah with the deluxe version like you get this either version you get this big board the board's double-sided which allows you to um, differentiate between two and three player or solo two and three player and four and five player. So depending on which side you're, you're on is for which number of players. Um, the components for the deluxe version, there's a lot of, a lot more wood than there is in the basic version. You have, um, every player has their own starting number of pieces. You have your, your workers, which in the deluxe version are actual little meeples that look like, you know, people. And in the basic version, they're wood squares. Um, you get the rider, which I believe is the same in both versions, which looks like a, a guy and a horse. You get your dual worker, where in the deluxe version, the dual worker looks like two people, one shorter than the other, who are sort of melded together. So it looks like two people who are standing side by side. In the basic version, you just get like a, a, a sort of a rectangular square. And, you know, not a rectangular square, square but bird. a rectangular piece of, yeah. of wood. As, you know, Just as a normal worker placement yeah. cube. From exactly. Like standard games of yeah. this type. Um, you get a point tracker, which is sort of a clove, clover-shaped one. And I, and I don't know if it's, it might be the same in both versions. Yeah, that's the same. That's the same. You get a influence marker for one area of the board, which might be the same. I, I would imagine it would be because yeah. it's pretty basic. Same um, with the emperor ambassador. Yeah, you get a person? ambassador. You get an ambassador that goes on the emperor track, and I think that's the same for both. And it's like a meeple yeah, looking kind of guy. I didn't see the traveler in that picture you showed me, though. Drew, it's he. He is the horse. They do. It, is he uh, the same between both versions? Though? Those are those appear to be the same. Yeah, those are the same so as the, well. The per- traveler on the horse is the same for both versions. The differences seem to be like well, for sure the the artwork is is different on the board and the game box. Um, the 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 other things were the um so the rewards that you got for the traveler yeah the traveler spots. has these little um tokens that you can pick up off the board in my version they're wood tokens that are are, are um silk screened with with um, the various rewards on them and they look really nice uh, they're cardboard the retail version is cardboard chits yeah they're cardboard versions of those the uh, cardboard chits they're the same shape yeah but they're just cardboard instead of wood yeah. Uh, there's the decrees. So there's an area where you can get these decrees. In my version, again, they're they're thick wood um, versions, but they're nicely silk screened. Again, they'll be retails cardboard. Car- retails cardboard. Um, the the, ships. Um, the, the ships are a little different. They're thicker yeah. in the deluxe version, and they have indents for the the workers to sort of fit in. Um, whereas the um, standard version, they're flat cardboard, um, and they just they have the out they have like a picture of an outline of where the workers go. But there's no indent, so you just put them vaguely on their little spot, and they can slide around. It doesn't matter. Uh, the jade the influence would be coin and first player coin are cardboard. Metal yeah, so in mine they're metal. Yeah. yeah, you have a, a, sil- a silver um, coin for gaining first player, and you have a gold, a larger gold coin for being first player. 
And yeah, there's the jade, which are nice um, glass, um, green, green, glass. green glass stones. Um, and then in the retail version, it's going to be cardboard chips. Yeah, they just look like little green yeah, cardboard. Yeah, little green cardboard chips. Yeah. Um, what else is there? Otherwise, like the the actual cards. Yep. Appear to be the same. Yeah. So there's all these cards used in the game. They're um, they're called uh, the gift cards. Um, yeah, they, they're fairly standard. Even in the deluxe version, I'm sure they're the same as the retail because they're just fairly standard. They're they're linen finish, but they're 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 not overly done. So I think that it's going to be the same for both versions. Yeah. Uh, the dice appear to be the same. Yeah, they're wood dice. They have um, varying numbers on them. They're not like one through six. They they range. And the dice aren't all the same. They have up to, I think, nine is the highest number that can appear on a dice. But you get three are wood, they wood dice. Or were they plastic? Uh, they're wood. Yeah. I yeah, rolled I them like wood. three times. I didn't even notice. <laughs> it, it, they're blue, and they have, I think, silver numbers on them or white numbers. White numbers, yeah. And, yeah, they're, they're, they're wood, but... They're dice. They're, they're dice, exactly. <laughs> um, what else is there for uh, components? I think that's about it. That's really it. Yeah, that that's it. about it. So... Yeah, there's definitely a step up, and there was a difference in price too. Like we were looking, oh, yeah. the the standard edition that's coming out, they're pre-ordering it for in the fifty dollar range, a little over fifty dollars Canadian. This is. But what of, about uh, the player boards themselves? The, the player boards themselves, I imagine, are going to be the same because they're really they, just they do standard appear to cardboard. Be they were just both cardboard. Same. Yeah, they, they may not be as thick. Yeah, there might be a thickness difference. It's hard to know. But note. otherwise, they they look to be they look about the same. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the standard edition is going to be in the $50 range. The deluxe edition that I got off of Kickstarter in the group buy that I was in was closer to the $85 range. So there's a good $30 difference between the two editions. And, you, and with the quality of the components, you can kind of tell. Uh, the turn marker too, I guess that'll be one thing that's different. Mine was a little um, golden temple looking piece mm-hmm. that would go from day to day to denote what round you're on. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be in the retail version. I don't know what it Yeah, it may not be the same. It might be just It a, was just a circular block of wood. It might just thing. be a piece of wood, yeah. yeah. So it's definitely going to be difference there. But yeah, it's in the $30, you can sort of see where the difference in quality lies. Um, that being said, I don't think it's not going to affect your gameplay at all. No. So just visually. Just visually, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's the components. Uh, rules. So this game is all about um, exchanging of gifts. Um, so everybody starts with a hand of four cards and those are your initial gifts and how the game works is you'll take one of your cards, exchange it for one on the board. And there's, um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. I think there's six different areas on the board, um, where you can exchange these gifts. And what you do is exchange the gift. Sometimes gifts will have an action on them. Um, some of the higher numbered gifts won't. And then the area itself will have an action you can do. So you exchange the gift with, on an area. Uh, as long as the gift was a higher value than the card that was there, you will perform the action on the gift and then the action for the area. If the value of the gift is equal to or lower than the, the one you're exchanging, um, what you won't be able to perform any actions at all unless you decide to take two of your available workers from your active pool and put them in your general pool. So you're discarding two workers, or you take one of the gifts that are still in your hand and put it in your discard area. Doing one of those two things will allow you to perform the actions as normal. 
Um, so you do your actions as you would. Um, the four, the, the six different areas all have different actions you can do. And then you go to the next person's turn. So you take the, the gift that you took off the board goes into your discard. And then anything that's in your discard at the end of the round will become your hand for the next day. The different areas, there's the, um, the traveler at the top. It's, it takes over like half, um, the top half of the board. Oh, not half, but top third of the board or whatever. It has a, an area, it has all these interconnected spaces. And in all these spaces are these tokens for, um, advantages you can get when you move your rider from one to the other. Every time your rider stops on one or passes through one, you'll get the token. Each token will give you a various reward. It could be additional workers from your general pool to your available pool. It could be um, exchange a card from your hand or from your discard with one on the board. Um, but there's lots of different options for you to get going on there. Um, the next area of the board is the Great Wall. When you perform that action, you're taking one of your available workers and placing it on the Great Wall. And when the Great great wall gets to a certain level depending on the number of players um, you'll score the wall and take some of the workers off whoever had the most workers on the wall at that time come off the wall and whoever that was will get some kind of benefit usually it's it's points and you get to advance your um, ambassador up on the um, emperor track uh, next area is the jade area that's where you purchase jade um, when you go there, you're discarding workers from your available pool equal to the cheapest area on the, in the Jade area to get a piece of Jade. Jade's only real function is for the end of the game where you can get score points based on how much Jade you've collected. Uh, the next area is the influence track. Uh, everybody has an influence token on there. Um, the tokens stack based on whoever first player is and, and downwards, and everyone starts at zero influence. When you do the influence track, uh, the first person, there's two, all these tracks have two different levels of play. Usually it's one level that doesn't cost much or anything to do, and it's very quick and you just do one thing. Or there's a more powerful version of the action where you usually have to either discard workers or, or, or something to get a bit more benefit out of the area with the influence one uh, the first person to just do the standard basic version of the influence moves their influence token one up on the track and they also the first person to do it will get the silver um, marker to, to denote that they will be the first person and the next day they'll get the first person marker to, for the next day there's the emperor track you have to, um, there's various ways to move your emperor up there. There's some bonuses that move them up. But whenever you do the emperor track, you're moving your, your envoy, your ambassador, yeah. one level up higher. And your goal is to get your ambassador to the very top of that track. Um, if at the end of the game, your ambassador hasn't made it, you can't win. No matter how many points you could have scored, it's impossible for you to win. You have to get your, your ambassador to the top of the emperor track to even have a chance he might be called envoy i just call him ambassador yeah it's an either ambassador or an envoy um we're all marketing um not marketing what do they call them um they're all families like merchant families and you're all vying for um different like influence with the emperor and and to get things done around the uh the, the kingdom so this is your envoy or it could be ambassador whatever it is and he has to get to the top of that track. yeah the, the book 
refers to them as en- envoys. Envoys. So, okay, yeah. so it's your envoy. He needs to get to the top of that track. The next, the next second last area on the board is the decree area. Uh, there's six decrees per game. Um, uh, there's level. There's two level ones, two level twos, and two level threes. Level one decrees. Um, if you put one of your workers on a level one decree, it gets you a bonus at the beginning of each day. So um, there's four days in the game, so that the most you can get is like three bonuses by using that those level one decrees because the very first day doesn't have any bonuses because no one has any decrees yet. But the the level one decrees get you a bonus at the beginning of each day. The level two decrees give you some kind of bonus immediately throughout the game. They'll make things some things cheaper, or they might give you some other bonus around the board as you do those actions. So that's what the level two decrees get you. And the level three decrees are only for end game scoring. They'll give you bonus points at the end of the game based on whatever condition. And there's typically about six different decrees for each level, so you randomize them and you'll have different decrees each time. So it might take you a while to go through all, all of them. And then the last area on the board is the channel, um, the, the shipping area. Um, in a four or five player game, there's two different um, shipping lanes. In the solo two and three player game, there's one long ch- um, channel. This is where you'll place um, ships and place workers on those ships. The The basic action on the on the shipping one allows you to place a single worker on a ship and then allows you to move a ship one space. And each space along the um, the channel gives you different rewards if you're able to score it. And how you score it is as soon as you've gotten three workers on a ship, you can choose to take those workers off and score where the ship currently is and get some kind of benefit. Um, the three different benefits you can get from there are you can get the double worker, which you can only ever get that benefit once. And it gives you a, a, a longer worker that both acts as a single worker and as a double worker, depending on where you're placing him. Um, so if he's in your general supply for any reason, and you get have a chance to get a single worker back from your general supply, he can come back, even though he's considered a double worker. Um, but he only counts as like a single worker when placing, but he takes up the space of two workers. So he has benefits in various ways, so he's good to get. Uh, the next bonus you can get from shipping is additional dec- um, gift cards from a general supply. Those will give you more actions throughout the game because you'll have more cards that you're exchanging and taking more actions as you go. That benefit you can only get twice. So at the most you'll ever have is six cards that you can use in a particular day. And then the last one is um, a four-point immediate four-point reward. And the most you can get that is, I think, three times. You can get up to 12 points doing that particular reward on the shipping channel. Um, and the way the shipping channel is, it starts out with, like the, I think the four point is the very first um, stop on the channel. The, um, the additional card is the second stop. And then the double worker is the third stop. And then the fourth and the last stop on the channel is your choice of one of those three. And if for any reason your boat your boat leaves the channel without picking a reward, then you just you lose that. Your workers go to your general supply, and you don't get a reward. I don't know if that will ever really come up, but it, they do give you you know they have the rules for there on there just in case it happens. And that's essentially the game. You're exchanging cards, you're taking actions, and um, 
you're getting points. There's a point track around the, the board. Um, you're gaining points as you go, but and there's also end game scoring um, based on a few different things, and it's all laid out on your on your player board. It sort of it gives you um, it shows you what to do during like the beginning of the day, um, during the action phase, and then during the night phase where you score different things. Um, there's three dice at the beginning of each day. You roll those dice, and those dice um, at the end of each day you compare the action cards you've retrieved from the board. To those dice, and every time you have a, a card that matches one of those dice, you'll get a worker from your general supply into your active supply, and this is how you'll get additional workers for the next day. At the beginning of each day, you'll also get some workers. So you, at the beginning of the, the game, the very first round of the game, you get six workers to work with. Then each day after that, you'll start with an additional four workers plus whatever you've gotten from dice, and those are the workers you have throughout the day. Um, but there's other ways to get workers as well. The tokens that you get from the travel track, they sort of go onto your board as well. Um, there's places for up to six of those tokens from the travel track. Two of them can be exchanged for a worker at any point. Four of them can be exchanged for two uh, victory points. Um, and six of them can be exchanged for a piece of jade. Um, if you ever get to the point where you're at six and you want to get another one, you have to use some up. Otherwise, you won't be able to take another uh, token. But I think that's essentially it. I don't think I've missed anything really. Yeah. Um, at the end of each night phase, like we said, the ships auto that any ship that hasn't been scored already um, will move along the channel. And at that point, after it moves, if it has three people on it, the, the player can choose to score at that point. They'll say, okay, I will take my ship off now and, and gain the reward that it's on. Um, so that's the only way that really your ship might move off the channel and you not get anything is if you're on the very last spot on the channel, you hadn't claimed your reward yet it'll automatically move off the channel and you'll lose. I think the only way that happens is if you neglect if you the neglect area afterward, it. like you yeah. shift strategy or something and just like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice that one yeah. worker. Well, it may not be your choice. It may not be your choice sometimes. It, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess if the gifts. But, I mean, if you really want it, there's always a way to do it. Yeah. Um, no. Okay, mostly. <laughs> mostly. Mostly. No, mostly. Um, one thing I didn't mention, um, <laughs> in this game, you're always exchange, You're always trying to exchange a higher point um, gift with a lower point gift to be able to do the actions. The only uh, time where you can exchange a lower point with a higher point is when you're exchanging a 1 for a 9. So if there's a 9 gift on the board, you can take a 1 gift from your hand and exchange it and still do the actions. And it even says on the 1 gift cards that 1 is greater than 9. So that's the only time where a lower gift can be exchanged with a higher one and still do all the actions as normal. Uh, that's just a way of, I think, keeping things moving without having, you know, bogging things down with a bunch of nine gifts mm -hmm. that no one want to grab because they... You have to give up a turn otherwise. Yeah, yeah so you don't have to or discard workers, workers or, or extra cards or whatever to be able to do them. So that's, that's a nice little mechanic that they came up with to keep things flowing, which is nice. Um, but that's essentially how you play Gugong. So now we can let's talk about the games. The first one we played was Yokohama. Um, I'd actually played it once before, and it was I think a couple of years ago. It may have been the Japanese version. I don't remember, but it was essentially the same game. No, it's all symbology. It's all symbology. It's all yeah, taking your assistants and putting them along the board and taking actions based on where you put your president. Um, so that one it went fairly well, but it was a longer game. Oh yeah, it took us a few hours. I know. Some of that, sure, is because it's our first time playing the game, but a lot of it is also, it's just the type of game where there's a lot of 
planning out of what you want to do. I, I think what you mean to say is a lot of it is true. <laughs> a lot of it is true taking time. <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it's very it's very Feldian without having been true. designed by Stephen Feld. Yeah. And there's uh, a lot I, of things to take into account for, for well, points. And, and, and as we discussed earlier, that the four-player game, which is what we're doing, yeah. adds the entirety of the game. Yeah, that's right. There's no discarded so, tiles. Yeah. So when we're actually talking about these two games, it, it, you know, in, in contrast, when you look at, at Gugan, there, there's nothing added. The same, the same, you know, areas of the board exist yep. in in a you know two-player versus four-player game. That's right. So in in Gugan, where you have four players, there is less choice available to you. Depending on on the, their gift cards, yeah, and you know potentially the the other things that the other players have done, um, and and to a little bit that that's true with Yokohama too because if you know if you're on a spot I can't use that spot, but there's so many more options available mm-hmm. to me in Yokohama. Like in, in some cases, uh, okay, so you know Randall's on the on the copper mine. Oh, yep. I can't do copper mine. Well, except that there's a second copper mine. Yeah, in the four player version, there's two of everything. Almost everything. Almost, almost, almost but, everything, except for like the the customs, the customs house and yeah. the church, the employment agency, oh, which we forgot and didn't really talk about, and the church. Yeah, yeah. And there's one called the chan- channel, the which canal, is, yeah. the canal, which isn't really a location, but. So I mean, potentially, if if we were playing a, a two player game of Yokohama, mm-hmm. you know, there wouldn't be so much AP because there's only you know so many things that you can. You it know, depends you can on whether there. they remove but, enough of the boards that. You like if they remove all of the second resource points, then I I would say there's probably about the same amount of AP because if if you need copper and your opponent's on copper, yeah. you don't have that choice. Where in this one, it's more of if someone's on copper, there's another copper. Chances are it's open. It's just can you get there? Can you get there? Can you lay it out? Well, so you have you planned to and, but, but get that one and have enough power to yeah. get it? Yeah. Like did and, you? Plan and that's part to of do... it too. Is is you know the the more the more assistants that get out on the board and and you know the, you know there's four versus two presidents and you know can I trace a route there oh I've been blocked you know I yeah. did have a route but now it's blocked I think the biggest difference between a lesser player version and four is you're going to see three other people go you can't because you're forced to move every turn yes you know that in a two player game that guy's not there next turn mm-hmm. I will be able to do that action in a Four player yes. game, that person. There's somebody else move. who could go yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. And, unless and it's the that, person just that did before. Like I, you know, I'm planning. Yep. I was planning my route to the employment agency. Yeah, the and, only person you know and, for sure is going to be the person that's to your left. Yeah, or counterclockwise. Counterclockwise, just before me. Yeah, yeah. And so that you know, now I have to stop and try to figure something else out. <laughs> yep. So there, there was definitely more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that, that we look to see how the um, you know the contracts are, are set up for a, a, a lower player game if there's the same number of contracts. No, they, they, you pull out, yeah. you shuffle and pull out like twelve or something. Yeah, I think, pull out from the stack. From but, the stack, but, but the, the what, board what will be laid, out, laid the same. out on the board. It's it's probably the same. Uh, yeah. I think one of the lesser games takes out one of the places you can get contracts from, and yeah, one so, pulls okay. out how many. Technology because... locations are so there's only one place you can get the contract. Okay, because that, yeah. that that would have made a big difference. So, um, what we're talking about the the technologies. There was a laboratory, and there was um, what was the other one called? Research, research, yeah, research so lab or I've something got like that. Two boards that I can potentially get, um, you know, technologies from. 
Yes. So it, it doubles the amount that's available to you. Um, and, and the same with the contracts. And then there's, yeah, so it, it was, you know, there's a lot out there. There is. And I mean, you start placing your assistants to get like a tech from a certain place. If yeah. someone takes the one you were eyeing oh, yeah. and it shifts, those workers are kind of yeah. stuck there. Now, you might I'm, have to go do that action just to get them back. I'm not trying to give myself a pass. I am, <laughs> out of all the people I know, when we're playing these games, especially the, the Euros, uh, yeah, I suffer from AP, especially in this case, this was the first time that we had played this. Yes. Um, but... Yeah, it's a longer game. Yeah, it, it is, is definitely longer. It is no matter what. so many options in there and so many strategies that you can um you can chase uh yeah i mean marcus saw the the, the church right away and he just I, I was pretty sure it was the church that he he well the cut and the customs or the customs, house? customs house had 22 was, points as the highest because i think that was the first one he grabbed he just basically traded in every resource for the church and immediately yeah. got the, like the highest one yeah he got that and, in the church wow. first and then he was collected all his trade goods and got it for whatever it was that he needed to get up to the 22 point thing yeah. on the um on the customs house and so yeah he 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 yeah he we both everyone got to the 100 point mark but he was up way up at like 100 and i'm not even sure i made it at the end i don't think i no, you no, did you, you, you were you just there wow. <laughs> yeah you just made it but you did make it but um and and then there was the uh the bonus cards um yeah, you know, sort of like there's just these three random cards that that get chosen, and the first I think ours were like get... the first person to complete five contracts, yeah. the pers- first person to get seven T yeah. in their yeah. hand, and the other one was put putting buildings on three yeah. work areas or two or and two. yeah, so three the, the first person of the gets red work areas and two, and two of, of the, the orange orange ones. I can't remember the there's like a pen one which might be diplomatic. I don't know and. And the hammer one, which was... Well, the hammer like ones were like color. resource collection areas. Yeah. And the other ones were like the research lab and the unemployment right. agency yeah. and stuff. So, so the first person gets a, a bigger bonus. And everybody else who completes it gets a can bonus get as well. It. it. Well, I mean, if you complete it. I, I missed one. And one. if you can afford the and, workers. And so you yes. got... You were basically first on all three yeah, of them, I, I was. think. So there was loads of strategies. But coming in second or third or... Because there's it no wasn't difference between a second. Huge it wasn't drop. a huge drop. So no. it was like 10 points on one and eight. And yeah. Eight. Or, or and my, like my seven and five. My mistake was I focused yeah. on those first. Yeah. And Marcus picked up on what I was doing with some other things and completed them before I did them. Yeah. So, it, yeah. like, he made two moves the turn before I was going to do them to get, like, the 22-point the yeah. customs mm-hmm. thing. It's like he did it just before i fulfilled it and i didn't do it because i decided to spend one of my imports on something else so i can get the highest point i knew i was going to get it back right but i had to delay and then it's Mm -hmm. like he did it and i didn't realize he was ready to do it so yeah there's things like that that it was just if i would have focused more on those like the customs and the church were much higher scoring mm-hmm. overall than the yeah, individual it, goal stuff those you really you can't ignore them it is like and i didn't uh, and i ignored one totally I, I ignored customs and i did get on the church once but that was it just once i didn't get a lot of points out of it and yeah you pay the price if you ignore them you, you're missing out on a lot of points and well, even if you're just going you, for all orders it, yeah. it might be the correct action if if you can focus on other things that other people are ignoring well sure like if you're focusing on orders almost exclusively then you really have to go for the high point orders yeah Mm -hmm. um because there's a lot of orders that will give you maybe a a couple points but then it might give you a good or something else which is good but there's like the 11 point ones yeah you really have to sort of focus on those really high point ones to really make it worth your while to ignore the other stuff 
to sort of keep it in balance or to well, work, make it, sure they have like something like imports as a reward so yeah that like you a can reward get high points from the customs yes yeah you really those and, and imports can solely focusing it. on on the uh, the the contracts could could actually work against you because mm-hmm. um as soon as you run out of them that's i mean you've that's sort you've of the driven end game. end game yeah you're, you're driving end game with so, fulfilling those orders yeah yeah i i, I think I was just I was just desperate to grab points at the end, and and I think I was the one that triggered Endgame. Yeah, you triggered yeah. it one turn earlier than I was ready for. Yeah, I was just like, I've I've got enough. I could possibly complete this last order. <laughs> so. Well, and I was getting there too because there was like one order I was eyeing just because it was the last order that had the Dutch flag on it, and mm. I needed that Dutch flag to complete one of the sets. Yeah, so I can get like twelve points at the end of the game I for was a full set. The exact same yes. thing. <laughs> Um, because there was no other Dutch flags around. That's like the, the flag that was the least, it seems like the least flag that's out there is the Dutch one. Yeah. Um, maybe there's more technologies because we didn't go through the technology. No, I think huge a lot of the tech seemed to be focusing on like America and like one the of the United prob- States. Yeah. And one of the problems was, um, we had two different areas you can get tech from the laboratory and the research center. Mm-hmm. And it seemed just by the way the the draws were coming from the board, one had all really expensive techs. Yep. So yeah. even like the cheap ones were six. Yep. And then when you get to a certain higher up on the tech board, you're adding like plus one, plus two or plus three to the value of these techs, making them even more expensive to get. Yep. Um, whereas the other one had all the threes on it, making them fairly easy to get. So it was sort of slowing things down a little bit because there's only one tile that you could go to to get affordable tech so we didn't cycle through them as fast as we might have been able to and i think also the randomness of tile placement mm-hmm. like with your locations yeah. makes would have made a big impact like having the canal off to the side and unimportant no one needed to use the canal really I used it once yeah yeah the canal is an area that you can move through um you never place any workers there you never um, build any buildings there. It's just an area that you can move through, but it costs you a coin to move through it. But so it also it, doesn't require you to have an assistant to move that, through. Yeah, you can move through it no matter what. So yeah. it, if you have money, it's a convenient way of saving workers to make a path to something. But in our game, it was, it was easy to, to make way a path yeah, without so it cost. It was less useful. Yeah. yeah the, the way the tiles got laid out, like both salmon ones were beside each other. There's, there's quite a bunch of grouping like both technologies were right next to each other yeah. both um, fish both fish and then there was like maybe a couple others but yeah there were the, the grouping the wasn't silk optimal was, I, actually i think the silk was next yep. to each other just well, on stop I on top of one another the, the bricks were separated yeah was, was copper was separated yeah relatively. and tea was separated by one by silk one. tile yeah, yeah that's like that. right that's right and the other one i don't uh, maybe it was visited once by you or something because it was just kind of out yeah. of the way and there was another one to go to and then there was the bank, which hardly ever got used. It was down on the bottom, and it got used I once think or twice. I think Marcus used it once or I twice. would have used it more if it was in a better location. Yeah. So, like I said, the, the, the tile location will dictate somewhat how you're going to proceed. Yeah. Because, like, if you start with, I want a cheap tech that's really useful at the beginning, so I'm going to put both my guys here, turn one, and do that right away like Drew did. Yeah. yeah. And then what's next to you next turn starts to make a difference in what you're going to be able to accomplish. So if the bank had been right next to your guy, maybe you would have put a guy there and just did an action to get two coins or something next turn instead of going, I'm going to pull my guy off, mm-hmm. right? Like, yep. So I think the bank was just in an inconvenient location mm-hmm. for most of us. Because it it's was, next yeah. to two fish locations yeah, in the two copper. Yeah, two fish locations above it and then beside it was, was it the copper? Yeah, it was remember. copper There was mine. two things down there and I don't, 
I don't know if I ever got down to the bottom. And bottom most of level. those resource yeah. things you visit once and you have enough for a while and you don't really consider it an important aspect until you need it again yeah. for after you've spent the majority of it. So, yeah, I think that there's a lot of replayability because of the tile oh, placement. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that does well, and, help. And, yeah. and how the contracts come down because they're randomized yeah. and how the technology comes out because that's randomized. Or yeah. even which place you visit first for the, like with Silk. Yeah, I, I, with this one, if I build a shop, might get me four points, and this one might get me one. Yep. Mm-hmm. So which one you go to first, just for the bonus points, matters. Um, yeah. And then the, I, I'll be honest, I don't even remember what they were called, like the ABC sort of random. Those yeah, the random rewards. rewards that you can get. Yeah, and we didn't even talk about that in the rules. There's like, uh, there's A level, B level, and C level reward cards that get added to the point track. And their goals, you can you can go for like you were mentioning. It was one who the first person to get to seven T can claim the reward. Now, claiming reward is actually an action you have to do. So you have to decide: okay, am I going to fulfill an order or am I going to claim the reward? And that's the last one. If you thing. fulfill the order, you might lose the you tea. might lose the T. Yeah. Um, but then there's other things you might want to do with your actions. Um, that was well, one was for T, like you said. One was for building um, your shops on certain cards on the uh, the tiles. And having three and two contracts and fulfilling five contracts. First person to fill, fill five contracts gets the higher reward. Well, it's not even first person. It's the first person who has five, contra- five contracts and, and then uses the action to claim. That's right. Cause reward. you, you could have the five done, but choose, okay, I'm not going to claim it yet because I want to do this first. Yeah. I may want like yep. a specific guy from a specific country from completing a set by yep. doing this contract right now. And take the chance that someone else might fulfill it. And uh, the difference between first and second, third, fourth. There's only a couple of points. There's only a couple of points. So it's yeah. not like, it's a, just an extra action that you might not have mm-hmm. an action. You might as well do it because it's worth a few more points if you get yeah. it first. That's right. But but I guess like in, in contrast with, with Gugong, I'm, I, I'm, especially with four players, I'm, I'm limited to what I can do. Based on the number, like the the number of the gift cards that I have in my hand, not like I've I've got four of them, but the numbers that are on them. Yes. Yeah. The value of the cards. Yeah. The value. Good. Um. So you know, like, oh, I've you know, like I, when we first started, I I I had horrible gift cards. Like really, I had I had two ones, a three, and a four. Yeah. And so, we, so yeah, and those are set to the the fourth person will always start with those that card combination. Yes. That that but the trade off is is that. So when when we're starting, yes, I can I can trade that for any card that's out there, but I have to either discard a card out of my hand or sacrifice two workers workers mm-hmm. in order to to do it. So having those low those low numbers right off the bat, and and this the this normal amount of workers you're sacrificing oh, turns yeah. or the ability to actually do something on those turns anyways. And, but you but you're also kind of limited potentially by you know the the how the other players use their gift cards yes. to change the gift cards that are on the board so you know I, I might be thinking you know what i'm i'm i based on what i've got in my hand and what i'm seeing on the board uh i think i'm going to do that that um you know the, the jade action oh, but somebody just changed the card and, and now, now you're tied or even... I'm, I'm either tied or yeah i can still do that but i've got to burn my workers to do it yes and so at the beginning of the game at least and I, I don't know how much this really affected the game, but I like that first turn. I I felt like 
horribly handicapped. See, I, I was discussing this with Marcus the next day after we played, and we both think that it, because it is set in stone, the cards you get at the beginning of play, it it is limiting in that factor. It if you have certain cards, what goes out on the board is random to start, like which value yes. goes in yep. each spot. But the ones you get are set. So if you are fourth player, know you're always going to get two ones and a three and a four. A three and a four. Was, I think that's what it was. You, you are completely reliant on everyone before you putting out their their lower cards lower end, or, or the nines. Yeah, like and it it all comes down to we rolled a lot of doubles on our destiny dice yeah yeah which meant people were hoarding cards and that really dictated play and made it difficult to get a cycle going for the gifts well and and it it, it was it was tough for me because uh the the first three destiny dice that rolled i'm pretty sure we had two ones i'm not going to get to keep those no, unless you not like burn, I didn't burn them, them, right? Unless you and, and discard so, them, yeah. So I'm like, well, the, the only cards I have, I can't really, you know, get them out onto the board to trade anything without getting my workers. But if if I had these, you know, I've got these two ones, and guess what? There's two ones on the Destiny dice. If I was possibly able to keep these, I'd have more workers for next turn. Yeah, yeah. But I can't use these without burning the existing <laughs> workers. So it, it was kind of tough. Well, that's when you the, discard the, the turn. It started mm-hmm. to get. It definitely started to get better after that first turn, um, and and then you know like I, I was trying some different strategies um, that uh, just you know yeah. I'm, they just didn't pan out. Um, and to be fair, um, those those set hands are for when you're learning the game. They oh. do. Um, they do. Like when you go, we we okay. were playing with the initial setup. That's how you when they they suggest the first couple times you play the game. This is you know use these set hands. After you're comfortable with the game, you make yeah, it ran- totally that's random. That's garbage. Oh, it should have been random uh, right yeah. for the learning um, game. I know. That's fine. Yeah. But that's, that's, just, <laughs> yeah. that's how it's set up. Okay. Um, those initial hands are set hands for learning the game. Um, and then, yeah, you totally can randomize them after that. Or you can ra- you can start from randomizing them. That's fine. But uh, we were just I, I using don't, the initial I don't setup. think it added anything to the learning process yeah. to have fixed cards. I, I don't know if it did or not. Like, I, I, I seriously doubt it. Because I, yeah. I looked at the cards I was dealt and was like, this is shit. Like, I cannot believe that second player is always going to start with these cards. Because I had, like, yeah. two with no secondary actions on them or something like right. that. Like, yeah. it was just... Well, I didn't have the problem of two ones in my hand. It was still, <laughs> like, everyone else has cards that they can do, like, yeah. two actions a turn. And I'm looking at it going, well... But so the... <laughs> yeah. I'm... I'm keep bringing this back to the try hard to bring this back to the point I was gonna make with like the, the comparison between the two. I I don't feel like I suffered from AP nearly as much with Gugong. There's, right. there's yeah. like the four player game versus four player game, there's there's not nearly as much to choose between with Gugong sometimes because like I said, you're either limited by your, your gift cards mm-hmm. or yep, yep. Uh, there there just isn't as many spaces, right? Right. Like yeah areas of the board to to work with um but that being said like it's it's such an elegant game mm-hmm. like i i i thoroughly enjoyed gugong mm-hmm. yeah and, and that's as we're talking about i never really thought about it because i don't know if i've ever played the four been, been fourth player in the game or not so never really noticed how the different hands were laid out 
Um, it might be something to consider then if you're playing Gugong, just ignore the initial hand setups and just randomize them. Yeah. Take all the, the cards, randomize them out and see how that works for you. Yeah. Cause I, be I, fine. I don't yeah. see any point if you, you have it set up so that the cards that go on the board are random. So yeah. why would you keep the player's hands as set? Like to start learning, if anything, well, if you want it as a teaching tool, if you had both of them set in stone to start mm-hmm, the game, mm-hmm. that would make a little more sense because it right. would give a little bit more of a flow mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's like if you put this card here first because it's a good action and it's like you put a four on top of a three, it makes it so the next person going can put out something on top of it, stuff yeah. like that. There's no explanation in there about why they do that, is there? Um, I don't know. In the rules? Not sure if there's an explanation. Let's see. Because yeah, I I can't think of what it would be. Yeah, like that. What value is there? Yeah. It's a it's a hand of cards. It doesn't matter. It's the first time you're seeing these cards. If it's the learning part of the game, whether it's yeah the set hand they give you or the one that you're just dealt, it's the first time you see those cards. So yeah. there's no real reason to say, hey, you get these ones. I don't know, but I, yeah, I, I think my if 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 you want a game with a greater amount of option like if you if you really like Stephen fell games where it's point salad or um you know uve rosenberg where there's t- i mean there's tons of combinations of things and and different strategies to go after um you know that seemed more yokohama whereas there was there's was definitely less to choose from in in gugong but you had to be you know, so really careful with your choices because, you know, there's there's just the four days. You've got, a, you know, a certain number of cards in your hand. You have to be very reactive to what other people are choosing as their actions. And um, so, yeah, I mean, there's I, I felt I had less AP. Yeah. You had to be. Very well, sometimes you're being your railroaded to a choice, though, too. Yeah. Because, I mean, you just when you get down you to get. your your last card and it's like. Well, mm-hmm. uh, it's too low to do anything, so you're just exchanging it for a card for next round, yep. kind of thing. Yeah. It, it's sometimes there's just no action, so that speeds up gameplay in the mm-hmm. sense that you yeah. have no choice. Yeah, in in the last round, I you know I, I had you know got to one ship action. Well, it's, I mean it's not going to get me anything. Yeah, you know because fine, I, I put my one worker out there. I didn't have two other workers that I could follow up with another shipping action. So. Um, and I felt there was a little bit more uh, resource management in Yokohama. Like, oh yeah, you, you had to be much more worried about where you placed your people because long term, if you were just doing it to create like a road, essentially yeah. to get from point A to point B, that guy might you might be sacrificing your assistant for the rest of the game, unless yeah. you get a special action that allows you to move them. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize how fast I was running out of assistance until I, because uh, I think you pointed this out. My my first couple moves within Yokohama was was to place two workers, my president, and do the and, action, and do the action, and then I I pulled my president off on the on next turn so that I could do the same thing somewhere else. And so at the start of the game, I wasn't creating these pathways. pathways. And when when I, you know, I, I got the couple things that I really wanted, and then I started to lay out those paths. And hey, I'm out of workers. And and then that's yeah, like I, I said, I, I couldn't get to the employment agency. Again. Yeah, where I, I well, went I for the employment the early so that I could yeah. make paths and make claims yeah. and things without having to worry about running out of stuff. Yeah. Not that it panned out in the end, because I think I was just ahead of you. Well, actually, you 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 started off like just oh yeah, I was dead last really for a long time. 
but but you you got those uh, the ABC rewards, and 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 you start shoot up, and then I started to catch up to you, and I remember at one point saying like uh, Jeff, what the heck happened? Like why? Like I'm catching up to you. Marcus That's stole not... most of my moves. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was a little wrong. Um, uh oh. Well, no. Um, for your Gugong, the those those set cards for each player are st- always set, even in their advanced version. Oh God! But what what changes? Yeah, I don't know why. That um, the cards that were randomized on the board, you take those. You take all of the other gift cards um, that you can get through the game. You know, for the other actions, other actions, the ones that have the yin yang symbol on them. You take those, and you take any unused player cards that are in the box. You shuffle all those together. And he randomized the seven on the board. So those won't be the same, necessarily the same seven. So that's how they explain using the expert okay. version. Well, well, so I, when we set that up, were the, were the seven that were on the board? Like, you, no, they those, were just those were the, the seven standard that seven that are, yeah, the standard seven. Because when we started getting yeah. extra card hands, they had the yin yang symbol. Yeah, so their expert variant is to do that. Well, that's um, a design flaw, in my opinion. I just want to double check I'm not missing something anywhere else. Well, I'm just, um, I'm trying to think too, if, if doing that, where you shuffle all the remainders and, and, and then randomize the seven on the board, does that do anything for you? No. There's more variety in what can go on the table, but what can start on the table? Yeah, yeah. like but yeah, the fourth the, the fourth player is still in, in a the in a fourth player position. still gets one one whatever whatever, yeah. and there's still fourth player to go at the same time. I don't get why the fourth player would have like, such I'm, a weak start. You know, it's great if a couple nines come out, you know, like randomized on the board. Or yeah, or but yeah, it's but, so dictated by the destiny dice because someone who has a nine yeah. isn't necessarily going to want to get rid of it if two nines were rolled. Yep. So you're gonna like kind of waste those so that next turn you have all these workers and maybe work for an extra turn early instead of going towards early actions because then you can do so much more the next time well i think i we're gonna have to play this again and just randomize all of it like all those cards should be randomized and just see well we should we should try it first both ways like do it the way they want they say you should do it with the set starting hands and then totally randomizing every other card and seeing how that changes the game with the the board just out of curiosity and then try it where we take our starting hands and randomize those and see how that changes things this game will need an update essentially as in like we will have to update our opinion on it maybe oh yeah well yeah we can do that as a a third or second segment in a future show yeah to see how um, how we um feel it is with with the different things because other than that I, i never really noticed that with the fourth player thing before so I'm kind of curious. I, I know that looking are. at it from my perspective, how the game started, I looked at my cards and was like, "This is garbage." I and you and were second player. Yeah, I was second <laughs> I was, player. I was I, I did not feel like I had anywhere good to go initially because of how the randomness on the table played with the set point of my cards. And I mean, you, you're going to get that even if you randomize it at times, but it it would feel better if it wasn't always this is your cards because some games you're going to get a wonderful card to start the game and sometimes you're not. And yeah, I didn't feel like I didn't have a place to go. Just that based on the strength of my gift cards, I was really limited to where I could go. Like you, you were you were whatever you could get. On the board, yeah, that's where you went. Yeah, like, I, I almost think that they should be equal strength, right? Like, so you just tally up the the, the, the gift values in yep. your hand, and if those were equal, 
I don't know. Would that change anything? Maybe. It just seems odd to give double ones to fourth player. Let's yeah. see. I mean, are they really expecting there to be two nines on the table really early? So player one starts with a nine, a five, a two, and a four. Well, that's an amazing mix for the way the game works. Player two starts with um, two, four, a seven, seven eight, yeah. four, eight, two. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe I was player, wrong about the numbers that I had. Well, we'll see here. Uh, player three starts with a um, one, nine, three, eight. And then player four starts with a three, six, five, and eight. Do all of them uh, have actions? Where did I? Um, one. Okay, one does so not. First and second player start with two cards that have no actions. That's right. And, and that, which is part of the advantage of being first and second. Twenty-one um, is mitigated because you don't have the second action on your card. Yeah. And then yeah, and then the fifth player. If you're playing with five players, you know, I think I'm out to lunch. I think I've. I've you might have been totally got this wrong. <laughs> and if you have a fifth player, they have three actions as well. And they have a nine, seven, six, and one. And do they have actions on all of them? Uh, just just one that does so not. So they're missing one action as well. Yeah, yeah. So the reason it's set is so that first player doesn't get the bonus action on every single yeah. card. First and second player, like. they have yeah one, two, two cards that don't have actions on them. Yeah. Bonus and then actions. everyone else has a full three yeah. with a high card that doesn't have an action. That's right. Actually, you know, the, the, the and even value this eight totals has, yeah. are almost, almost identical. There's two... Two, two of those that have a total of 21. One's a 20. What's this one? Well, that really only come into it if, if that really made it. That like, there's 22. no adding the numbers. I don't know no, if that no, makes but a the, difference. But they but are. Yeah, uh, like higher number cards. So, yeah, I don't know where I was cards. getting that, that starting number. Maybe, Maybe that was your, your second, second round, round where you ended be. up with some lower cards or something. You're exchanging them with lower cards and then ending up with a, a second round where it's harder for you to do things. I still don't like okay. the concept of fixed starting well, hands. Re, re, just rewind the podcast and <laughs> all the stuff that I was saying about my starting hand. And the starting rolling, locations, like the seven that, starting uh, cards that initially come out, are numbered one through seven. So there's no eights or nines that initially are on the board. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, so the, that's the initial seven. And then you would, in the advanced version, you would take those seven. You would take all the um, yin-yang ones, which are the ones that you can get from the canal, um, which... Let's see. They go all the. They go up to eight. They don't have any nines in there. Um, let's see. There's two sixes. It's almost like two of every card. It looks like almost no ones. There's no ones or twos in these extra ones you can so get. So make there's, sure that they're going to be high enough that you can use yeah. them in theory fairly easily. The lowest number on these extra ones are threes. There's threes, fours, fives, six, sevens, and eights. So there's no nines and no ones or twos in these ones. So you would take these. And how many there's? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's eleven of these cards. You would shuffle them together with a seven of these cards. And if you weren't playing a full five player game, you would take whatever leftover cards are there, shuffling those in there. You're telling me there's like only three nines in the entire game? Um, it looks like it, doesn't it? Okay, so th- these are the four player, fourth player ones. So I think possibly, maybe what I was running into in that first round was that. I only had one card that was high enough to trump what was out on the board. Could be. But anyway. You may have run into a situation like that. But yes. then how many ones are there in the game? There's uh, one here that's going to be there's starting on the board. Here. Two. Three. One, two. So there's there's one in starting on the board, you yeah, said? Yeah, one starts and on the board. And then there's two in the start There's hands. two in the hands. So that, and that sort of matches so up with the number of nines that are extremes. out there, too. Yeah. And it just happened to be one round we had where we had rolled two ones and a nine. I think there was a, or no, was it two ones and an eight and two twos and a nine once? Yes. It yeah, was that's what it was. Yeah. 
So it might have just been the way our, our game sort of played out at the beginning. Um, but, but the then, hands don't look like overly like unbalanced to me. No. If you're going to have a game where you need to recycle the gifts down, wouldn't shouldn't there be a few more nines and ones? Like the only way to reset a spot is either discard or to trump a nine with a one. Well, I know that I did have to do that like multiple times through the game yeah. was, was I had to sacrifice workers or or discard in order to perform an action that I would And I guess it, this is one of the things with how short, like you don't really have a lot of actions to do because it's a fairly yeah. short game. It is short. Yeah, it's four yeah. rounds. I, it feels like you're really throwing away a lot mm-hmm. to do something like that. Yeah. Like and, throwing away a card yeah. it, for next round seems like a lot when you're thinking about well i'm only going to get four yeah, more turns if you're, or if, three more turns if you've got a specific strategy in mind like let's say you're trying to focus on on shipping um you know well, it, that's it where the shipping really... sort of helps you a lot too with the extra cards you can get because you can get up to two more cards yeah i think they're really meant to be discarded though like the, mm-hmm. to give you the option to discard without really sacrificing much well yeah because that's what i used it for yeah i did get both of my shipping cards and i was like okay i can discard this card so i can keep it to de- to fulfill the destiny dice, so I can yep. try to get those extra points, you know. Yeah. Yep. Well, and and I was trying, like I I wanted to get my double worker, because I, I think in the in the game that that Randall and I played, I completely ignored shipping. I, I don't th- I don't think I did it once. Um, but but seeing you know, oh yeah, you can get these additional cards, which mean additional actions and the and the double worker, and so I was able to get my double worker and one additional action card, but. It, it still didn't seem enough to make a difference for me. Mm. Right. But. So the Destiny Dice, you're just looking at it. It's a die six. What numbers are missing off of it? Uh, well, they, they, they well, sort of randomize them because they're not all identical. So yeah. like here, this the first one here is one, two, three, four. This one oh, has a actual six. six. This one's a D6. So there's one that has one through six. This one has higher numbers. So this one starts at four. So four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So that one goes from four to nine. And that one cuts out and the this one and one, the nine or just one, two, three, seven, eight, nine. So it cuts out the oh, four, okay. five, and six. So it was really fluky that we got doubles on like three on, of the days. On three of the days, yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Because there's only two of each number. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, actually. So there we go. That's what dice do to you. So there we go. Um so yeah, it is, it is a little odd that they have these sets hands, but I can kind of see where they're coming it, from with them now. The the only yeah. reason I see for it is to keep the first and second player to have a limited a amount less. of extra actions yeah. for getting to choose first on where they go. Yeah, their higher number cards have no actions, and then they have two I, lower number cards that do have actions. Well, having only played it once, I'm not sure how yeah. big of an advantage it was mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. be first and second. Like, I've... Yeah, because it, it's easy enough to switch your strategy. The only thing that's important in this game, from a point of if you're going to win, is to get your envoy up. Other than that, you can. There's so many different ways to gain points yeah. that it's it's not huge to be first, mm-hmm. especially depending on you know if you. Yeah, you can play your nine. Is it first player that got the nine? Um, first player. Yeah. Yeah. You can choose nine. to go anywhere yeah. because there's not going to be a nine on the board. Mm-hmm. 
but but the nine doesn't the, have an action. Yeah, the nine doesn't have an action. So, and and someone else further on has a one. The third so. player, yeah, third player has a one. Third and fifth, I think, get a one. Yeah, fifth has a one. So if you have a fifth player, he has a one and a nine. So you're not closing something off. Yeah. Hmm. So my, okay. I, yeah, yeah it, it, it was something that uh, after we were done that I was thinking is just really you're going to always give second player that mm-hmm. it it just it, it struck me as wrong. Yeah, but now seeing them all laid out, it, it, well, it's not as bad as Drew was saying with his yeah, double with ones. His double that, ones that that well, I, I think it might, <laughs> might have been a subsequent round. Where it's probably a that, subsequent round. It have to be. So you grabbed a couple ones off the board, yeah. and probably because yeah. of the destiny dice or something as well. Like, uh, I don't think I, I was not one that was hoarding. No, I, Jeff, I definitely hoarded a couple uh, times. Jeff. No, I didn't. <laughs> you, well, you're, you're, you're saying um, I did. The first round, <laughs> I picked up two cards that matched the destiny mm. dice. The second round, Randall and Marcus were both sloughing cards to make sure they kept them. Yep. I I <laughs> I intentionally performed an action where I discarded once. I never did that. Because well, I had to because I I I had run out of workers. Like mm, I I had yeah. I had gift cards in my hand and I had zero workers to do stuff with. And and so I I got to get some more workers in the next round, so I intentionally discarded once into my discard <laughs> so that i could make sure next turn i had a couple workers yeah, yeah. I, I didn't hoard my cards i didn't see that as important uh, to the strategy i don't believe you <laughs> <laughs> it's okay it's okay, okay. <laughs> it's okay <laughs> anyways yeah. um so there we go that's that's the two different games now i guess we have to come up with um which one we think we, this is we actually prefer. the hardest matchup it is, it is a pretty not tough for matchup. me not for you really? no i had a I clear like yeah i liked yokohama better clearly mm-hmm. it, it it felt a little more complex which i like yeah and it's definitely a more complex game i, I did not like the length of yokohama it is a game that needs more to it for time it's too rushed or sorry uh gugong, gugong. Oh, okay. it, it feels rushed i did not like the rushed feeling the of fact the fact that it was only four days and the days and went fairly quick it, yeah it, it would just but I, I think that can be an advantage if if you don't like the like how long did it take for us to play Yokohama um, for four no. players? Uh, I want to say two. I yeah, think it was probably, around two and, or and just under for, two. How long for Google? A little over an hour. I think. It's probably but, just but a little I think over an hour. That can be an advantage depending on on the group you're with. Mm-hmm. So if if you're if you're with a group of people that you know, oh, we love those you know brain burning you know tons yeah. of yeah. option. You know, like I said, like a Steven Felder or, or Uwe Rosenberg game, you know, yeah, Yokohama is probably yeah, the but, better choice already. But I don't but see Yokohama quicker... quite on that level. Like a no, Rosenberg I game, I see is much more complex, a lot more moving parts than Yokohama. Yokohama is a lot more, more punishing. A, yeah, well, yeah. Yokohama is sure. very much a you pick kind of a long term strategy. And mm-hmm. based off of what cards are showing for things like contracts and stuff, and mm-hmm. you, you go about your business. And th- there's ways to circumvent the rules through technologies, and you can take certain paths that are probably all very viable. Whether you want to go for like church influence and get a lot of stuff there, or if mm-hmm. you want to go with a lot of contracts and cycling through and stuff like that, there's different options. But I don't see it as you're not going to get lost if you well, forget not, about an aspect I'm like not a saying Rosenberg it, it's game. It's Agricola or, or yeah. Yeah. Panamax. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. but, but, you know, in, in comparison, you know, there, there is Yokohama's definitely more like that 
than Googling. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, if yeah. if you if you like those games where there's tons of option and you know lots of different strategies and point salad, you know yeah, you'll come there. But you know if if you're looking for a bit of a shorter game, still has you know a bunch of those elements in there thematically. As I well. was getting bored with Googling. Really? Yeah. I, I, it, it was. I did not. It was that. short, so it was. It, it was kind of like there's nothing long term. It was about turn two. I'm like, I'm I'm thinking too long term for this game, so I've lost it. Like I, I should have just been doing immediate actions the entire time. Mm-hmm. You're you're probably right. better off sending the traveler moving as much as possible and getting those bonus rewards, and worrying about getting your envoy and then taking points from however else you can get it based on cards, mm-hmm. and you, you probably will win almost every time doing something like that right, now right. I, i've only played it once mm-hmm. so well my yeah. opinion might change on that with we know that more... we have to play it again just to yeah <laughs> work yep, some yep, things out absolutely. But, but yeah actually we can look at that yep. yeah exactly but uh, as they stand now yokohama is kind of rosenberg light yeah and, and yep. i do enjoy those games mm-hmm. so and i know a lot of people don't so it does vary yep. it, it does mm-hmm. vary but for me it i like that better than gugong's kind of it, it grew stale by turn three for me okay oh. sure um, one, one well, thing i, I take into account too. Stale. you only had one more round to suffer through. yeah exactly <laughs> That's true. That, that was a benefit there but i still <laughs> yeah. wanted it to be longer so that you yeah. could make a, a longer term strategy to the game and yeah. it's such a beautiful game yeah that i wanted to like it more but it's I feel Yokohama, it, it appeals more to my sense of complexity. Mm-hmm. And you can say the difference between the games, too, and, and how the scores were. Because there was a huge gap in Yokohama. You could see, like, from first to last place. Oh, yeah. There's Marcus a had, big had, gap. Had yes. the Whereas, board and almost caught up to me again. Yeah, in, in, in Gugong, there wasn't a huge gap. Like there, like There would be over time, I bet, though. Maybe. Because as, as you iron out the specific actions that are going to accumulate the most points it's like i probably would use shipping early to get like extra turns and those then i would get the only thing i'd use shipping for is to get the extra four points three times if there Mm -hmm. wasn't something better at the time i wouldn't worry about my double guy you wouldn't worry about the double guy no yeah because if you're doing what i'm saying and just using your traveler what do you need guys for i guess yeah true because you're just collecting bonus points which has extra workers there Mm -hmm. it has stuff like that jade was almost worthless mm, i know it got me a good chunk i was i was like because everybody else was essentially ignoring that it's a good secondary I action think i got i think i got you had three jade of the cheapest jades no i i got two of them somehow i ended up with a fourth you, you one. got some from the traveler that's the kind traveler of my point to trade too the, the traveler oh, has like everything included but in it yeah. for sure i got the the two that were worth two and one of the threes no, I collected one of the twos because I paid I one so. for it. <laughs> I had the, I had a, had the discount, I had a discount, a discount, and I paid one for the jade, for am, in there, and two for another one. I am almost certain that I got the, the two twos. <laughs> you did collect one We're from Traveler. Start taping these things. We could, yeah. <laughs> but the, the Traveler had a lot of bonus stuff in it, like yep. discard a card for a jade, mm-hmm. uh, spend three guys for a jade, or something like that. Then there is collect more workers, and then there was uh, gain... Go up on the influence track. Influence track. Go up on the emperor track. Gain an extra turn by taking yep. a card out of your discard pile. Or yeah, exchange, or exchange a card from your discard pile or your hand with one from the board. On the board. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of good stuff in that. Yeah, yeah. and and then if you, you collect like six of them, 
you give yourself points and mm-hmm. you can do that as many times as you want or it's another worker like but well part of the traveler depends on where you come in on the board but you get to choose uh, yeah you well, do no you do when you but, first but come in. subsequent subsequent turns like the replacement of the tiles yeah. is randomized for yep. one and second of all you you may come in on a spot that that is good like if if you, especially if you're talking about um you know immediate scoring is is your goal you come in because you're you're taking op- like you're being an opportunist. I'm going to come in where where I'm going to get a benefit, but the the rest of the tiles around you or how they're replaced may not go in your favor. But if your focus is just to move as much as possible, that's not a big deal. And it, like it, you even move your you envoy, can you get to the other tiles in the traveler section before someone else does? Well, it's not before someone else does, but but so so the other one that you you know that you're going to get a lot of benefit out of, can you get to it? Let's there, say there might be too many spaces in between you. Let's say first turn somehow I can do three actions on the traveler, right? It, uh, and this is probably a bit extreme. I, I doubt someone would be able to without a real dedicated attempt at moving them three times because just yeah. you're, you'd I have to have it work so that your first card you play there just happens to be higher than the first card played there randomly, and then your cards have to work in sequence without anyone screwing it up, without yeah. screwing up your order. Yeah. yeah. So let's just say you got three actions on it. You can move double every time because you have enough workers to do mm-hmm. that. You pay the cost. You start with six. Yeah. Yep. And it costs, I believe, two. Or um, is it just one for that? Uh, no, it's two. It's two workers. You discard two workers to move twice on the traveler yeah. truck. So that's more than enough rewards. It doesn't matter what rewards you get to compensate you for those workers because you're probably going to get another worker. You might get another turn, which will Possibly. Yep. go to get to like your envoy could go up or something. Mm-hmm. It can get you jade. It can get you the bonus points for collecting the travel. It doesn't matter what your tile is when you are using the bonus reward from the traveler tile. So like I said, I don't know if it would work for certain. It was something I wanted to try yeah. after our first playthrough. Cause I'm saying I like you better. I'm not saying it's a bad. No, no, I, I'm not oh, yeah, saying yeah, 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 no, it's no, bad. No, don't no. get me wrong. Yep. It just, it, it wasn't the right complexity for me. Sure. And I, I'm not saying it's super simple. It's just, combine the fact that it's a little short for doing something long term strategizing it's more of a simple tactical game i guess with it which has luck thrown in with cards right and i tend to shy away from games where there's a luck factor and so it's it's a tactics versus strategy thing yeah and i mean yokohama it has tactics in it as well mm-hmm. because the situation's changing constantly but it doesn't have the same luck factor of randomness in it that I guess it has, it has, has the randomness of which contract how it's laid out, out. Yeah, yeah how things are laid out for the number of players but or whatever then you and set your strategy based off of yeah that. you try to yeah yeah so well, yeah that's I mean mm-hmm. I I have a feeling from the discussion which way you two are going <laughs> well no, yeah I'm because <laughs> I'm deciding as you're speaking yeah well, no I'm, like I'm, I, I I admit like Yokohama. Is it definitely a more complex game, and I do think it is a better design game. Um, it's I, not as beautiful by a far stretch. No, no, like, yeah. No. <laughs> like um, Gugong is even even though yes, this is the deluxe version of the game. Um, I still think the the regular version of the game is still going to be very nice to look at, um, just without some of the you know all the flourishes that this version has. Um, it's still like it's a very you know it's a beautiful board. And it, it's just, it, it, it's, it's very appealing that way as well. And I think for a lot of people, 
the 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 short game play time might is be, be very bonus. yeah very yeah. um attractive because then people can get more games in of, of different or whatever or more games of this or more games of other things in whereas yokohama yeah you're definitely committing to because they say it's 90 minutes in the box um and maybe if you have four people who've played the game who are very familiar with the game you might be able to get a 90 minute game in more likely you're looking at closer to two hours um for a single playthrough um and there's a lot more setup and and tear down of this game as mm-hmm. opposed to Gugong's fairly quick to, to yeah, set up and tear down. Yeah, very quick to set up. Yeah. So there's, there's those factors to take into effect. I do think Yokohama is the better design game, though. So I will I will give them that. Um, so that's why, yeah, I'm going to give it... My, my vote's going to go to Yokohama as well. Just because, yes, it is a better complex game... Um, there are things I like about Gugong better, but there also there's a lot more. I like the complexity of Yokohama. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, well, for myself, I, I'm I want to get better at at some of the the, the more complex euros. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I, I I didn't feel let's say challenged by Gugong. It was certainly yes. enjoyable for me to play. Like yes, I I I could see that coming out a lot. And, yeah, I think it's easier. I think it'll be easier to get it to the table because yes, it is a shorter game. Yeah, um, it's still an enjoyable game, and there's definitely things to, to try out with the game. So now we know, yes, the starting hands are fixed. Um, but the, when you look at the starting hands, they don't look unbalanced at all. Um, trying and changing the, the the starting board, like the cards on the board, would yeah. be interesting to see how does that really affect the gameplay. Does it does it make a big difference? There's also a set of I, and I don't know if these are included with the regular game or not. There's a set of bonus tiles that we weren't playing with, which they say not to play with at first. Um, Change with the, the traveler, traveler ones for the travelers, which could make a big difference to the game as well. But would they make the traveler less? That's the question. Or would it make it better? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. So we'll have to try these. Yeah, more additional... powerful or less powerful? Yeah, yeah, because some of these car, some of these tokens are a little different from the other ones where. Um, I think they they set, they sort of set on your board and then you spend them for their ability. So it's not like an uh, an action um, a bonus you get right away. It's a bonus you can get as you as you do something. So I think like one of these is. I think we saw like one was like t- two times. Yeah, one will double the reward you get from something. Yeah, so yeah you have to do a different here. action to get the yeah. reward for the traveler token. Yeah, so these special, they say, these special bonus travel tokens are best used with experienced players. Only add them to the game once you've played it a couple of times. Okay, whatever. Um, this one uh, has a plus one and a card symbol. Place this travel token and one servant from your servant pool next to your player board. For the rest of this day phase, all gift cards you have you play have an additional value of plus one. So for the day, all your cards are one higher. At the cost of one At worker. At the cost of a worker, sort of sitting off to the side of your board. That's pretty powerful. That's that is useful. Is. That's, that's, a, that's a big I, turn. I, I don't think that's coming to, you know, take away my argument that the traveler no, 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 seems no. like it would be one of the better moves to make consistently. Yeah, if those tiles are in there. <laughs> no, that's actually <laughs> making it like you want that. Yeah. yeah. Um, this one here has two check marks on it. Place this travel token in one servant from your servant pool next to any action field of your choice. For the rest of this day phase, each time any other player performs this action you may follow and perform it too wow that's yeah those are big that i actually this just lends credence to your your yeah doing the traveler there would be 
But at the same time, if those were worked into the rotation, there'd be a lot more competition for that traveler. Mm-hmm. Which is why you need to do it with experienced players. Yeah. Because... At the end of the day phase, place this token face down above your player board as usual and return the servant to your general supply. So, okay. And there's two of each of these. So there's about six different ones. But, yeah, that's yeah. that one. There's a two times one um, that looks like a action card as well. Place this travel token above your player board as usual, but leave it face up. You may use this token once to get the bonus slash action of one gift card twice. When uh, performing a gift card action twice, play both actions separately. Once used, flip this travel token face down. So it basically lets you use a bonus action of a card twice. That's also exceptionally powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're talking about like influence for the Emperor. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, you can get up to the top of the track really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's worth like two more points than second place to get to the Emperor. And then every time you move that, you get an extra point. So that's just racking up the points. If you can mm-hmm. do that action twice as well as move around and collect the ones that are free, move the envoy up and yep. stuff like that. Like there's a lot of ways you can move your envoy through other actions mm-hmm. that it, it's just kind of, yeah. wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this one, there's a one. So that one had the had a 2X symbol on it. On the bottom of a, of a player card. This one has a times two symbol on the top of a player card. Place this travel token above your player board as usual, but leave it face up. You may use this token once to double the value of one gift card when exchanging cards. So I guess a one can become, one a, becomes two. a two, a nine, and 18, exactly. or whatever. Whatever, yeah. but then, yeah. Um, once used, flip it face down so that you can exchange it for benefits as usual. Guarantees so that, a five is always going to be playable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then the last, was this the last one? There's like an odd number here for some reason. Okay, let's see. Here. Oh, yeah, there's one only odd. one of a certain. Unless, unless the other one is. <laughs> yeah, I might have shifted it might be one. When, uh, you might I have shifted one. Yeah. So there's probably, I'm sure there's two of each. I may have stuck one of the advanced ones <laughs> in the general plus supply one is putting stuff away. No! <laughs> okay, uh, this one is place this travel token in one servant from your servant pool next. So there's three that take a token and, and a servant from your pool and place it next to your board. And there's three that go to the top of your board but stay face up until you, until you use, use it. it. Yeah. This one is uh, place this travel token in one servant from your servant pool next to any action field of your choice. For the rest of this day phase, you receive one victory point each time any other player performs this action. And that player loses one victory point. At the end of the day phase, it goes back. So Steals that's interesting. Points. So it's like, yeah, it's, um, well, that's interesting. And the yeah. last one, place this travel token above your player board as usual, but leave it face up. You may use this token once to reduce the price for a single jade or decree by two servants. Wow, that is big. That's that one's pretty big because yeah, jade gets that is always available for five. So or the decree. Uh, I mean, the decree, decree cost is yeah. huge as well. Yeah, yeah, if you're not the first person in on and a, a decree, decree, they get pretty expensive. Yeah. Or even if you are getting your level well, three decrees yeah, for, for one two worker or two one well, to go two up because and one to place and one, one to place to cost and one to cost is huge. Yeah. Uh, once, yeah, so decreasing it by two, you do not receive any servants um, if the price after discount is negative. Yeah, so you can't make it a negative cost. Yeah, you always have to servants. place yeah. one guy. So those are the six that are bonus ones that come with, and I don't know if it, like I said, I don't know if it's going to be in the regular version of the game or if it's just a deluxe they thing. Be. You would I, think I, so. I, I don't see would why too. they wouldn't yeah. be. So, but those actually are very powerful, and so they could make a big difference. Yeah. 
I see the next time we play this, there being a log jam of people trying oh, to yeah. walk their guy around the top of the board. Could be. So we'll definitely have to give it another shot with, with some of these extra things to see how that makes a difference with the game. Okay. Well, anyways. Well, I guess, yeah, we're giving it to Yokohama. Yeah, we're giving it to Yokohama. Like, um, we like both games, and both games will get played again, but the winner for this one is Yokohama. Okay, well, moving on to our second segment, talking about, you know, we already talked about one deluxe game already, but this whole um, thing of making games, you know, making deluxe versions of games. Um, it seems to be, you know, especially with the Kickstarter culture, um, it's huge where when you order a Kickstarter, you're able to get a deluxe version of game. Like deluxe versions of games isn't anything new. It's been around almost almost from the beginning of most games because you know, even Monopoly, Cluedo, Clue, or whatever you want to call it, all those kinds of games, they always had their original versions, but eventually came out with sometimes novelty versions, sometimes deluxe versions. Fracking awful. Regardless, yeah. <laughs> so you you can you can gold plate a turn. <laughs> You know, the, the makers of Monopoly have proved that. Yeah, so well. Um, regardless, though, um, deluxe, deluxe, making a deluxe version of a game isn't anything new. No. But it, it's really seemed to have taken off with with, an, with Kickstarters, um, exclusively almost. Um, mm. Well, I, I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I think that's where we're seeing it, um, it immediately integrated mm-hmm. into a game. Yes. But... There, there, ha- there is an industry out there that exists almost entirely to make your games to make your games, pimp, yeah, e- to pimp out your not, games, pimp up your games or whatever. Not yeah, an, like a, an actual, uh, you know, addition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, um, broken token with with inserts and and Go Seven Gaming with their inserts and and um, you know, Meeple Source and you know, there's just we are getting custom Meeples for your games. Yeah, meant. You know, so that you can pimp your game, you can turn mm-hmm. it into a deluxe edition. No, and that's that's true. That's sort of the in between of taking a standard game and making it better. Because mm-hmm. if you love a game, then you want to maybe you know do something to improve it. With inserts, are, are a huge thing. Inserts save you a lot of time when it comes to setting up um, and and keeping everything organized. Sure. Yeah, and, and and some of it's like during game organization mm-hmm. right? no like, absolutely yeah you get trays yeah. that come out yeah. with everything ready to go without you having to sort things out this is true um but also in uh, i'm thinking of um but deluxe i'm thinking of like deluxe versions of games like here we got i got gugong um and through the kickstarter was the way to get the mm-hmm. deluxe version i don't know if they're ever going to release a deluxe version outside of the kickstarter they're out they're definitely releasing the standard version of the game to retail so you, everyone will be able to get the standard version, but it's that, you know, the deluxe, you know, can, how do I get the deluxe version of a game? And quite often, um, at the, at, at these levels, like with all the wood components, where as normally it's going to be cardboard, the only way to do it is through the Kickstarter. Yep. Um, you can pimp out games all you want. And quite often pimping out games is going to do stuff like maybe replace some cubes with meeples mm-hmm. so they look a little nicer replacing wood blocks with actual wood sheep yeah you know that, like? yeah that, that kind of thing yeah. um and replacing cardboard coins with metal coins those are all, the, uh, all those kind of things are things you can do mm-hmm. after the fact with most board games um it's just this little extra that you can get just from a kickstarter right and one thing that sort of brought it to my mind is 
sure, there's these games like Game Brewer and, and companies like Taste of Minstrel who we're bringing out a new game. You can get the standard edition at this cost during the Kickstarter, or you can get the deluxe edition at this cost, and that, that's fine. But then they're also coming to the point where they're taking old games, not really significantly changing the game, but now they're doing a Kickstarter to do a deluxe, you know, deluxe mm-hmm. version of this game now. There's one game called Suburbia. They're coming out with a new version, and it's basically a deluxe version of the game. The tiles are bigger. Um, everything's a little nicer, I guess. And they're also including a new expansion, which you won't be able to get with the standard version of the game. And so if you already own the game, what does that do to you? Like, okay, great, I already own this game. Am I going to buy the game a second time just so I can get this expansion that I, I can, I'll never be able to get? Like, See, and I think that's where the industry's kind of gone wrong. It, yeah, it, it's it's nice to get a nicer version of the game if you know you're going to like it and stuff. And but I think deluxe it used to mean that you know it's like maybe this expansion's out of print, so we're going to put all of the stuff into yes. one game, one version where of the you game. have yeah. all the expansions. Whether or not they upgrade the stuff in it from their standard version to justify it saying deluxe or something, but it's a way to re-release uh, the game to the general public mm-hmm. in its complete form. In its complete format, yes. And, and now it's like the, the Kickstarter culture, which, I mean, I love it because it's given me games and all mm-hmm. of us games that we wouldn't have seen probably otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, I mean, that's wonderful, but I think it's becoming almost toxic to the it, it's like we're never going to take risk it's up to the customers to take the risk to produce something so it, are people interested in a deluxe version of this game where we just make the tokens a little better let's put it on kickstarter and find out yeah so yeah. i think there's two things here is it, it like the kickstarter i don't like the culture of transferring risk to customers for a possible bonus mm-hmm. that is really just uh simple upgrade of a token from one thing to the other especially like drew said there's lots of sources out there for Mm -hmm. an upgrade if if you really love your game there's ways to upgrade it from the onset and i I think and i I know exactly what you're saying like uh we see this all the time now it's it's you know like established you know producers and and like cool mini or not yeah are, are using it almost as a pre-order system. Yeah. Oh, and that's definitely a thing. Like, definitely with like Cool Mini, it's their order system. They yeah. go through Kickstarter. But but I'm saying like specifically to Jeff's point, mm-hmm. it's it's a you know a, a company like like TMG doesn't need to do that. Right. Yeah. But it's a risk mitigation. And usually, you know, they're they're really only going to to Kickstarter with games. They're pretty sure are going to yeah. sell. So it's not yeah. like it's oh, it's not well, um it's not know, an unknown. We we didn't get enough, and so everybody screwed out of their money, and mm-hmm. and you know we didn't have to produce anything. Um, but on on top of that, it's I mean it's it's certainly beneficial for them, or or you know they wouldn't be doing this exactly. Mm-hmm. And where I see the same thing happening with with the deluxe version of it. It's not even really risk for them, you know. You we we take a, a title that already exists, so we didn't have to pay a lot of money for development of it. Maybe yep. there's some slight changes, uh, you know, yeah. with we the mechanics of the, the game. wording in the in the rule yeah, sure. book, and but we we slap some red paint on it and sold it to you again. Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, so so I understand your point that way. Um, From a collector's point, yeah, though, it's know. still wonderful to have uh, a game that 
looks nicer. Like the one yeah. you pull out to play that has all the nice pieces. Because, I mean, even something as simple as uh, Lords of Waterdeep, yep. say. Mm-hmm. Uh, both Randall and I, I you, Drew yep. probably owns it as well. It's like I, my, I don't own it, but I've, I've played you've it. played yeah, it. Yeah, it, it time, but, so. so Randall and I own the game. I have just the basic wooden blocks to represent yeah, your clear spiders. Purple cube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Randall has the... Actual meeples. meeples D&D, that, they call them D&D meeples or D&D meeples or something. Yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> and I mean, it, from even your first playthrough introducing someone else to the game, they understand what those are with the upgraded. It takes just that little, little bit longer yeah. to explain that this block represents this, this block represents this. A black this. Rock block is a, is a thief. The so that, purple block is a wizard. <laughs> that sort yeah. of deluxe yeah. thing not only adds to the visual appeal of the game, it also makes it a little easier for mm-hmm. new players to climb into the concept of what they're actually doing. You're recruiting somebody to complete a quest rather than grabbing a resource, say. Which, you know, in another game that orange block is ore or whatever. Yeah. You know, like it, it, right. it just it's a little bit of separation that is definitely nice to have. Mm-hmm. So I mean I I love the concept of being able to upgrade your game to a better quality because mm-hmm. a lot of times it does have gameplay ease for new people right. to bring in so yeah. and visually it's nicer to play over and over again if it's mm-hmm. you're looking at something that looks like what it represents yeah yeah, yeah. So, definitely when you see a game that's full of cubes and and those cubes have no meaning outside of the game other than that the red cube is something this and this and this when you when you see a game that's full of cubes you definitely think oh this is going to be a euro game yeah you're, you're probably in the mindset that this is going to be, uh, complex. It's going to be oh, boring God. or complex or, or not, you know, but then as soon as you change those out with, with something that looks vaguely meeple-ish or, or, you know, like something different, then all of a sudden you're a bit more engaged. Yeah. And so I, I, I can get, yeah, pimping out a game with is, is definitely a, a good thing. And if that's a deluxe version, that's that's awesome. And if it's yeah. available to everybody, that's also awesome. Mm-hmm. The, the exclusivity that they've started to do in Kickstarter, that if you're not a backer, yeah. we're not producing this for you, period. No one yeah. else has access to it. I do not like that concept. I yeah. know that yeah, Kickstarter actually... people need a reward yeah. for backing, but that reward a well, lot of times is being able to get it, get it originally quicker, quick. And faster, like, yeah. 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 Reward slash incentive. Like, yeah. That's yeah. the thing is they're, they're incentivizing people to back to, to essentially take on that risk mitigation. Yeah. Like, that's mm-hmm. what it is. It's not... I, I really don't think it's a reward. But you're always... Well, incentive. sometimes... Well, with the exclusive... Like, exclusivity stuff, like, Cool Mini or not are big on that. Like, if you back their Kickstarters, you're going to get a bunch of exclusive content that will never be released to the general public. Yeah, which, that which is, is a lie, enough. because what it is, is those people who don't really care are buying extra copies so that they can sell the well, exclusive yeah, content for money for, for their higher money costs. yes yeah so I'm, i mean it's creating a secondary market for people to gouge the people who might not be able to get yeah. in mm-hmm. on a kickstarter yeah like actually that that came up very recently with uh zombicide so i, I yep. you know we we uh recently played that and you know for the, the green board one yeah and um you know randall got in on the on the kickstarter and i'd missed it mm-hmm. um but you know i'm thinking well you know cool mini or not they're they're business people. They're going to make some money <laughs> off of this. So there's, you know, fine, you know, you used Kickstarter for the risk mitigation. Some mm-hmm. people got some rewards. Give give them some exclusivity for let's say six months, but eventually bring that stuff to market, right? Right. You know, why would you why would you want to not make money off that? Yeah. Well, 
they don't want to make money off of that. They're, they're the forums well, they, for them are are washed with people saying, "When is this stuff coming out?" And that and they've been responding, "It's not going to." That's because yeah. it means that the next time they do a Kickstarter, it will encourage people to pre-order their game mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than actually right. buy it in a store. Yep. So they're paying Kickstarter the extra cost for whatever the percentages that Kickstarter takes, rather than having to go through distribution channels and. Yep pay like you know all the but it shipping is, and stuff to their own from retailers from a consumer standpoint I'm, I'm there with you like it i i do not like that not being able to get those things some of those exclusive exclusive and yeah. you know as a consumer i know maybe there's, there's i'm sure there are people out there who are all about getting those exclusives so that they can make money off of them yeah mm-hmm. and those are the people who are going to be upset if for any reason those exclusives become available outside of the kickstarter I'm of the opinion that, sure, great. You might want to give me something that's exclusive for a period of time. Mm-hmm. But I think this should become available to the the main market just because... Well, otherwise you have things like Kingdom Death. The game yes. wouldn't exist without Kickstarter. And he... Well, he was even trying to make it so that there were other copies, but he just couldn't produce the game fast enough, which meant that he's selling the game for $400 and... Then when he sells out, the secondary market's paying eight hundred or higher yeah. for just a base copy of the game, and and that's what happens with these exclusivity deluxe versions. It's like it's more of a I have something you don't. Do you want it? Because mm-hmm. I can make you pay three times what it's worth. And it's really a lot of the times. Simon's an exception. A lot of times their miniatures are an addition to the game that you can't get otherwise, which is frustrating. Mm-hmm. But a, a lot of other times it's just simply something visual that people yeah. obviously mm-hmm. want to see in their game, but you're not making it available to them. Quite often it's like exclusive characters. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the games typically come with so many characters anyways that, yeah, well, it might be nice to have these, these, these exclusive characters that are based on some common, you know, some popular IP out there yeah. or, or pop culture references you're not really losing anything not having them. It's just a the whole collector mentality that kicks in. It's like I gotta have it. Well, and I mean, like well, fantasy or, or flight if was, games. If it was fun enough to play, sure, right? Like yeah. you know, because we, we saw in um, I'm trying to remember what what's actually called. It was the was it the horde box? Oh yeah, maybe that that came with like the the ballista uh, the, or the Iron Man, and then it had the oh, was one of the characters yeah, he, like Prince. You know, kind yeah, of. yeah, that's right. And, and it, some it, of those again, were, were yep. fun. You yep. know, to play with because you to know, see and those... some of them were terrible, yes. like, oh, like yeah. mechanically within the game, but were mm-hmm. still kind of fun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's it sucks not being able to get those kind of things, mm-hmm. but I mean, but... Fantasy Flight Games is a, a good example of someone who knows how to cash in on the collector aspect oh of God. a game yeah. because I, I mean, they go over the top with how many things they release every yeah. month for their popular yeah. games so that people will buy X Wing, you know, just. Is constantly cycling through. Mm-hmm. Here's a new ship. You'd think they would have run out of ships from Star Wars already, but there's barely not some new stuff for it. <laughs> oh, we've imagined so, some that were described in a book. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So, so it's obvious that gamers are willing to pay for the collectible stuff on an ongoing basis because mm-hmm. they like these types of things. So it, it the Kickstarter stuff. I mean it maybe shouldn't factor into whether or not we like deluxe versions of games or not. It's exclusivity in deluxe versions that I dislike. Yeah, exclusivity I is really the 
is, is a whole kind of separate problem. Yeah. And it, it, I do think they kind of, it kind of tarnishes a lot of things when you, when you make things exclusive to some people and not others. And, and yeah, it creates like a divide, I guess, in the, in the game owning culture. And, but there's uh, obviously a market for upgraded versions yes. of games or con- consolidated purchases where you're getting everything in one box. Yeah, so it, I mean, as gamers, we know we throw money away at everything. Yeah, yeah. It's like if it looks cool, we're paying money for it. <laughs> we're we're okay with that. Mm-hmm. And if it, we want an upgrade for something, there's going to be a market for it. Mm-hmm. So, well, and I, I think there's there. It's great if there's the flexibility out there, right? So, so take Gugong as an example. Yep. The the artwork alone for the the deluxe version is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that and again, not to say that the that the retail one. It's going to be bad, bad, but this is gorgeous. Yeah, and and you know the addition of the of the glass uh, jade tokens and, mm-hmm. and well, and that's wood. silly because you could go and get like the tokens people used you know, to like Magic the Card Game. No, oh, totally. But, yeah, I yeah. Uh, but I agree with up. your point. But the the well, I I wouldn't be able to replace the wood. Uh, no, you know no. the the uh, traveler tokens. The traveler right, tokens the, or the decrees and the decrees, yeah. right? So there, there's a little bit of of you know my games where so let, just give an example. I bought the uh, the sort of the first version of uh, Viticulture, right? Yeah, you know uh, cardboard money. Yeah, and and then they decided we're through cool. Uh, was it not cool money or not? I think they went through Maple Source. Basically, they were going to release or Broken Token, whoever it was. Right. We're going to release the the metal money. Yes, you can upgrade your game. And so there, there's a little bit of that where I can take certain things, and and I if I got the retail version of Gugong, and oh I've got I've got these little cardboard chits for Jade, I can absolutely replace them with you know gla- the glass the green tokens. glass tokens, and oh it's got um, and I probably would having seen them just because they look yeah. nicer, but and, you and are going to get the the metal first player token and and the the silver uh, you know influence token. One. You know, there's ways to, to do that. Um, you know, again, there's uh, out in the secondary market for up, you know upgrading components. You can get like, you know, the uh, just like I upgraded the money in Viticulture. You can get you know, sort of these Chinese coin looking upgrades, or or I can just actually go get some Chinese coins. Yeah, you know, put it in your game. But mm-hmm. but I can't upgrade the art. No, I can't upgrade those wood tokens. So you know, there's there's some flexibility with your games. I, I can pimp out my my existing games, but to a you can't point. make like the board look nicer yeah, with the art. I on can't it. do that. So, you know that too. And but at the same time, you know, again, th- this shouldn't be exclusive. I should be able to walk into the retail store and buy the deluxe version of Gugong with all the goods, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. If there's more of a demand for this version of the game at a twenty five dollar mm-hmm. hike in price mm-hmm. point, yeah. then there should be more should of be these available. Yeah. Yeah. And less of the fifty dollars ones, because if we're willing to pay that much, why are you restricting us from doing yeah. that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and there's also the the aspect of a whole brand new game comes out, and they're offering two different versions of it, but you don't you've never played the game before. Yeah, and you're watching some videos and trying to think, well, I think I'm going to like this game. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll take a chance on the deluxe version. <laughs> and th- and this one was is pretty much I saw it and I just thought, oh, it's very is a beautiful game. It's like yeah. okay, I'm I'll go for the deluxe version. Um, and I think it paid off and I, I'm happy I got it, but there's always that chance, right? Like, I just don't know. And if I already own a game, like they just released, uh, there was a Kickstarter for a deluxe version of Luna. It's a Stefan Feld game and, but I've already owned Luna. So like, I'm not going to give up Luna 
just so I could buy it again, even though it's, you know, they made it now it's metal coins and all this, like, ah, oh. it's, it's got to be a point where you say, okay, enough is enough. I'm not rebuying my game just so I can make them a little nicer. Yeah. Well, it, it depends on your, your love of that game. It was true. Right? Or I, your I need for, so like, I, collecting. I, yes. You yeah. know, in, in order to, uh, you know, bring my viticulture into sort of alignment with the with the new version, yeah. I had picked up Tuscany. And which, I did that, too. Which yeah. also had additional gameplay stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it comes with the mamas and, and papas, and, oh, it changes some of the stuff on the, you know, on the board. And, um, you know, and then there was additional stuff you could grow but but i had to buy both of those and mm-hmm. and you know some while later I thought, ah, should i should, you know should i replace my version of it i like the game but not enough to rebuy that yeah but if i loved viticulture like if that was well, my you, favorite you wouldn't game, even think about it probably yep. i would just go and buy rebuy the game yeah that's true i, I guess there is that um, as far as the, I mean, there's the people that, that own like with, 50 mm-hmm. versions of Monopoly. So I oh, mean, I oh god, yeah, <laughs> there are oh. people who have like every version of Monopoly exactly. ever come out. And like, okay, <laughs> I might just have to do a whole show where I just tear, <laughs> tear into people tear down like Monopoly. Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. But with Goo going, the, the, you know, the nice thing about taking a risk on something like that, where where you didn't know because nobody's played the game before. Yes, yeah. you, you bought the deluxe edition through you know the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. weren't sure if you're gonna like it. It's a lot easier to get, you know, to just, you know, math trade that game away or, True. you know, to there resell are it. avenues, you know, yeah, of trading games now and, and getting rid of something that maybe you don't like, but somebody else would like better. Or yeah. even yeah. just plain selling it outright. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you ended up not liking the gameplay, but mm-hmm. the collector's edition, it's like becomes a popular game yeah. and this is only available to the people who kickstarted it yeah mm-hmm. you could probably sell it for twice Easily. what you paid for oh, it yeah. so i mean the, i guess the risk is if the game is complete crap no one's going to want it and you're yes. stuck with it but mm-hmm. if it's a game that you know is playable there's going to be a market out there for that game yeah and i mean the rules work it might not be a specific person's game but there's going to be someone else who loves that sort of game is going to see the art and be like yeah that's mm-hmm. something i want mm-hmm and there's only so many of these, so I better pay that price. That's right. <laughs> okay. Well, that's probably a good place to stop it. Um, we've gone on long enough talking about deluxe versions of games and all this. So, anyways, like usual, thank you for listening. Um, make sure to follow us on our website at www.boardnowgaming.com. You can reach us on Facebook, on Twitter, on we have a subreddit, uh, and go check out our guild on Board Game Geek. And, you know, reach out to us if you'd like, we'd love to hear from you. Um, I don't know how you're getting our, our, uh, our, how are you getting the podcast, but other ways you can get it are, are through Stitcher, CastBox, iTunes, and Google Play. Um, so, you know, and if you do get us through any of those things and they have a, a rating system, uh, give us a rating. You know, we'd, we'd like to see how you, how you're feeling about the game or the game about our podcast. Um, or hell, even the game. Even game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make it a game. If we're a Toleo to lunch with something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, if you don't like what we said about a game, let us know because, you know, we'd like to hear your opinions too. But anyways, until... Uh, and ignore them. And ignore them. <laughs> <laughs> we will scoff at you. <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, thanks for listening. And uh, until next time, keep on gaming. Good night. Bored now. It starts with an itch and a tingle, and then it builds and expands.
And suddenly all at once my legs won't let me stand I scratch till my fingers go numb But my skin never bleeds A silent accomplice waits and feeds when I'm asleep There's something that lives inside me I promise I never Yeah. 